0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley, coming in hot and loud here to start the show this morning. Uh, today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com. Baseball betting is here. Get up to five second chance bets, up to fifty dollars each. Uh, let me start this over. Uh, baseball betting is here. Get up to five second-chance bets, up to $50 each from PointBet, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. All right, welcome into the battle round I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's Zachary Goodman, my uh, co-host, producer, and just a... All around good guy. Uh, we got out on the golf course last uh, we, last we Sunday. Did. It was butt freaking cold. It was. It was freezing. The sun came out by the time we got to the seventeenth hole, which was our seventeenth hole. It's not like we started on the back nine. Hands were numb and uh, yeah. couldn't get a real feel for the. Nobody played particularly well. No. <laughs> uh, we had a friend lose his mind on me on the ninth hole. That was uh, mm. that was fun. That but, did happen. But sometimes, sometimes you. When stuff like that happens, it is rarely um, the event that's occurring that caused it. It's That's usually like the straw that broke the camel's back. He, the You know what, though? I like his strategy. I like his strategy because he went off on me. We cleared it up at, by the time we got done the 10th hole. And then yeah. he went on and played better golf than both of us combined.
1: I think he shot, what, a 44 in the back? He shot... Something along those lines.
0: Well, he was in last place on the front. I think he went
1: 49-44 because then that would have put him at no, 93.
0: No, I... Did he go 49-44? I believe he did. Yeah, he went 49-44. Yeah. So actually, I think you were, had the worst score on the front. I did. Uh, that, that's uh, right. yeah, okay. I think you, so. You were also, but it was only by like I one think so. stroke. Yeah. And you were also the newest golfer of the three. Of us. I think
1: you went 49-49, and then I went fifty. No, I went. I, I went forty eight. Oh, you went forty eight. Forty
0: nine. Okay. And uh, yeah, no, it was just it was right. just one of those days, right. man. Well, a I've got a new driver, and I'm and I'm I haven't figured it out quite yet. When I hit it well, I hit it well. But when I don't, I don't. And um yeah. I also just could not feel the golf club.
1: I don't think I've putted that bad since, in, in a very long time. And it, part of it was because I couldn't really get a feel for the putter. I mean your hands are freezing they're fr- yeah. you know, you can't really feel anything. So that really threw me off and I I, oh, I put it awful. And, I put it awful. We're wearing gloves in between right. like not <laughs> right. golf clubs actual like winter yeah.
0: gloves in between shots. And it was not working. And in fact, my hand that was covered by a golf glove was actually colder Same. than my non-gloved hand. Because
1: I think you move it a little less when you're mm. just, when you have a glove on. You figure, hey, I'm not gonna like you know move it around as much because it's gonna warm up, and it doesn't. That's not how it works. I don't
0: I don't apparently. know that I actively think about that, but maybe that's something. But we're not gonna spend the first ten minutes of the show like we did last week talking about golf. Because it was nice <laughs> to get out there. I've been watching the uh, I've been watching a lot of golf uh, now too. that I'm not working nights in a restaurant. So. Um, was watching the grouping of uh, Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, and Jordan Thomas yesterday, and that was that was a good group. They yeah, were JT all,
1: played pretty well, I heard.
0: He did. He had a really bad bogey on eighteen to close mm. out his round. Um, he actually bogeyed the last two holes, yep. which put him at minus five. He was at minus seven through eighteen. Then yep. mean through sixteen, and um, meanwhile, what's his name, Fitzpatrick birdied the last two holes to get, so they both finished at five yeah. under, and I believe Sheffler was four Fitzpatrick
1: Fitzpatrick, rising star, he's going to do well, but I, I don't know if you saw how much Spieth did yesterday, but I, I was watching a little bit of Spieth. And it's like every hole for Spieth is like a hole for you or I, where it's like you know you may hit your drive into the woods, but then you hit a great shot out of it, and then you, you know, it's it's always like a path to get there for Spieth, but he ends up playing well.
0: Oh man, I think the beginning of the end of um, Drew Forrester having finding any redeeming qualities in me <laughs> um, was when I said that Jordan oh. Spieth is a head case and I sure I, is. He he he's me. He's me on the golf course. Mm-hmm. He one hundred percent bad drive, and he's like, what the. Are you talking about what happened here? Yeah. I remember the one time I cannot believe he didn't snap his caddy's neck. He was in a sand trap and there was a rake in the grass in front of the sand trap between he and the green that he didn't see. And he hits a shot and it's a low liner coming out of the trap. And it's one of those ones that's going to rise. It hits the middle of the rake and drops straight down. Oh, that's fun. And he was like, where did that rake come from? I, 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 he didn't berate his caddy, yeah. but I thought, knowing, watching Jordan Spieth I think play, I, I thought for sure he'd be like, your job is to, is to tell me about stuff like that. Sure. How did you not know that rake was there? And like, I just thought he was going to go nuts on him in, in this particular tournament. Spieth is actually eight under, I believe. He, again,
1: he always pulls it out. He always ends up playing okay, but he—it's always a hard path to get there for him. And that's yeah. what I think is funny. It's just a comical thing watching him. Like yesterday, I saw him His drive went to the trees. Then he makes this incredible shot out and gets it into the, back into the middle of the fairway. And then his third, chi- he chips it up within—I don't know—25 feet and then puts it for par. It's always like a hard way of getting there for Spieth, but he, he makes it happen. I don't know
0: my phone is trying to like really wants me to know that I just got a potential spam call it reminded me three different times in like two seconds somebody anyway, the Orioles they want to hire you I, I, I hey you know <laughs> I will make sure that they televise Saturday home spring games. <laughs> right, the, right. The, how are they not televising today's game it's, it's a home yeah. game yeah on a Saturday and they're not the, they you only uh, look I love the radio broadcast I love Jeff Arnold I love Ben McDonald they did the game last night I love them I want to watch the game. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it. You got Taron Bavara leading off today. He's on fire. He's really uh, making a statement about uh, about deserving to be included on this um on the opening day roster. Rutchman's batting second, Henderson's batting third. Um you've got uh Joey Ortiz in the lineup, Jordan Westberg's batting fourth playing second yeah. base. You know, like this is gonna be a. It's gonna be a fun game to watch because you're seeing all these guys right. that you're really interested in, and you. There's no television.
1: And those are just the starters. I mean, you're gonna get how many guys in behind that? Jackson Holiday could end up coming in yeah. behind that. You don't know. I mean, he he's played a lot in those those end of uh, end of games where you just throw him in short for, for two innings, and you would love to see him as a yeah. fan. You would love to see him. Yeah,
0: we want to watch these games, and they are not letting us. Right. And and it's crazy that they're televising a Monday afternoon game. Right, where everybody's at work.
1: I won't be there. I won't see it. But I mean, the, but
0: the, I'll be in the middle of taking my my um licensing. I'll be
1: driving to Virginia. So yeah,
0: like like <laughs> yeah, like they're televising a Monday afternoon game. Right, when everybody's at work. Saturday afternoon game when where tons more people have an opportunity to watch. Nah nah. Saturday home game. No. Yeah. What is that? Well, and I talked
1: about this with Glenn when I was on a show two weeks ago that. The revenue has to be a big part of this, right? And I mentioned to you even last week, I said, why would they want to televise middle of the week games that nobody's going to watch when you're going to make, what, four times the revenue by people watching on Saturday or Sunday? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're just, that's how it works. I mean, people don't watch Monday 105 games, people don't watch Wednesday 305 games. It's the way it is. Yeah. Nobody, that's why games during the regular season are at 705 on weeknights. That's how it's been forever. That's how it should be with spring training games mm-hmm. uh, on TV. You should prioritize the ones that people are actually going to watch. And, hey, maybe Masson would do a little better if, uh, if they did that. I don't yeah, know. The, you would the, think.
0: The whole thing's a debacle. It doesn't make sense, and especially when you consider that the Pittsburgh Pirates mm-hmm. are televising every home spring training game. Good for them. Every every single one of them. Every single Now, I was pretty upset last night because when I looked up on Thursday night, the Friday MLB TV spring training broadcast schedule. It said Pirates at Orioles 6:05 MLB TV. Mm -hmm. So I at 6:05, I go to turn on the game. No broadcast available. Yeah, I felt lied to. I felt betrayed. (laughs) My entire day, I spent doing practice exams and you know studying and working, and I'm like. I get to watch the Orioles tonight. Yeah. I get to watch the Orioles tonight. And then sure enough, 6.05, I don't get to watch the Orioles. <laughs> I listened to the game. It ended 1-1 in yeah. two hours and 18 minutes. and
1: Which is quick. I saw When I saw Rock tweet that, I was, wow. No, that look, was quick.
0: I, I get it. A 1-1 game where at one point the Orioles have retired 14 straight and the Pirates have retired 12 straight, Yeah, that game's going to go faster than usual. I understand that. I... Have always enjoyed the idea of sitting down to watch an Orioles game at seven o'clock, knowing I get to watch baseball for the next three hours. Right. Nobody cares. I, I, I'm going to say this right now. Nobody cares if a or- if a baseball game if the average baseball game is three hours and four minutes or two hours and fifty eight minutes. The only people that care. Yeah. Are the people that are in the press box covering the team? They're the only ones that care. Now, I'll be the first to admit, in the postseason, when it takes two and a half hours to get through five innings, mm. that's ridiculous. Always, that's yeah. ridiculous.
1: No, I don't think games should drastically go over three hours. I'm not in that camp.
0: I I don't think that they should be. I remember the um the Red Sox and Yankees played like a four and a half hour nine inning game several years ago, and like their average game, their average nine inning game was over four hours long. Yeah, that's. That's ridiculous. That's egregious. But but if a game goes 3 hours and 5 minutes, I don't care. No. I don't no. care. I like a, a, and it's weird because what I want to say is that I want more baseball, not less baseball. But mm-hmm. technically you're not getting less baseball. You're getting the same action. Yeah. It's just coming quicker. Which I like,
1: personally. I mean, 2 hours, 18 minutes is quick, right? I mean, I think that's... And that's a game where you're seeing very little offense. That's a game yeah. that probably wouldn't have kept my attention that much anyway. You're so It's a 1-1 game. How many hits were there? Probably like 10 combined? Something along if those that. lines, if that. So it's probably not a game you're going to really focus on. But say you have a, I don't know, a 9-6 a win by the Orioles, and it takes 2 hours and 34 minutes. That's a game that's going to be really quick, for the most part. Be a lot of fun, a lot of offense, packed in, that to me is a lot of action in a shorter period of time, and that's a good thing. I don't think there's a
0: chance that you see a nine to six ball game, even with that the might new be roles, a stretch. That's two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, it might be a stretch. That that game is probably between two, two hours 50. two hours and fifty minutes, and three yeah. hours because you're scoring fifteen runs, which means you're probably going to have ten hits by by each team. Yeah, you know what I mean. Is uh, uh, some pitching changes. That's going to be, but I don't want to have to depend on a game being a slugfest Mm -hmm. to get my three hours of baseball, especially when, let's say that you have a long work day and you're like, ah, this is my (laughs) time. I'm home. Orioles play at 7.05. This is till 10.05 and then I'm going to bed. Yeah. And then it's like 9.30. The game's over. What am I going to do for the next half hour? now a lot of things now honestly. now <laughs> i mean now mrs. watch other baseball games now now mrs valley is expecting me to empty the dishwasher and mm. fold the laundry wouldn't have asked me to do that if the Orioles game was last <laughs> until 10 05 i'm just saying i'm blaming blame on the Orioles. i'm just <laughs> you guys are making my home life harder give me three hour games damn it wow no nah, that's that's a, a bit tongue-in-cheek for sure but I don't know. Like, I don't mind if games are a little bit shorter. I, okay, if you give me the average game is two hours and 52 minutes, but if the average game is two and a half hours, I, like, I don't know. I, I feel like you're taking something I love and making it shorter. So I think... you are, That's exactly what you're doing. Maybe
1: you can view it as a benefit for yourself, but what about people who would not generally watch a three-hour baseball game and would be more attracted to the game if it were two and a half hours?
0: You're not a, an actual fan. Maybe not yet. Uh, Okay, maybe not. See, that's why you're going to work in a front see, office. M- that's why. Sure. You, that's- I mean,
1: maybe there's a kid out there who says, okay, you know, may- I don't know if they're going to notice the huge half hour difference there, but maybe there are kids who would be more interested in watching the game if it was a little bit shorter. I mean, I think that's with all sports where the attention span of people is getting shorter and shorter these days. We can see that. I mean, you go to restaurants and you see like one and a half year old kids playing on iPads. Like nobody has attention spans these days. So if you shorten mm-hmm. things up and you entertain people more in shorter periods of time, it might be beneficial for the game in the long term. It may hurt you know, hardened long term fans like we are, but other people who are newer to the game enjoy it.
0: I, I, I see your point. I, I, I see your point. I don't know. I, I just I, I get that less is more and more is less in this situation. <laughs> yeah. I, I I understand. Um I just don't take something and make some, don't make something I love shorter. But that's me being selfish. I, I I totally understand that you're trying to attract more fans, and that I I, I get it. There have been plenty of Sunday afternoons where I have finished playing in my baseball game and I get my snacks and my lunch ready <laughs> to watch the Orioles, and it's two thirty and I'm on the couch. I understand. There have been plenty of times where I've fallen asleep during an Orioles game, and it's not because I don't love the team and I'm not interested in it. It's just because 162 of them. There's 162 the of, the of them. And sometimes when a game is going kind of slow, the background noise lulls you to sleep. I I, 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 I understand that. I'm not somebody who thinks a game of baseball is boring because I think you always have to be on your toes and always have to be thinking. The NBA isn't doing anything about the fact that... We saw a prime example of this. It's 10-15, okay. Um, we saw a prime example of this when the 30-for-30 30 30 on the Baltimore Ravens was yep. coming out. And we had to wait... <clears throat> It was it was supposed to start at eight thirty, and it was like eight oh six, and there was eight minutes left in the fourth period, and uh, of an NBA game. Yeah, that for some reason they put on at six thirty, and gave a two hour window before this thirty for thirty comes out. L- like that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. The the thirty for thirty didn't end up starting till almost nine o'clock. Right, because. The last eight minutes of that fourth period took more than 45 minutes. It took more than 45 minutes for eight minutes of game action. That's egregious. Yeah. That is absolutely egregious. And is the NBA doing anything about that? No. No? They're, no, they're not they're, going to. They're absolutely not. They're, they're absolutely not. So sports, professional sports take roughly three hours. Yeah. If you don't like that, then maybe sports aren't for you. Well,
1: I think you can definitely say that at an MLB level. And that's a very convincing argument. I I don't mind that argument. Um, But I I do think college baseball, uh, minor league baseball... Games that go drastically over three hours are longer than they should be because you don't have commercial breaks. You don't, have, you don't need to take these massive breaks between innings. I mean, I, yeah. it, it keeps players healthier, I guess, obviously, if they have a little more time to, to rest. But regardless, I mean, it's a one or two minute difference. But if you see a minor league baseball game, say the Bowie Bay Sox play a game three hours and 40 minutes, that's egregiously long. That's a and To me, that's not keeping my attention span for three no, hours not, and 40 minutes.
0: I'm not saying I want a baseball game to last three hours and 40 minutes. The only way I want an, a baseball game to last three hours and 40 minutes is if it's back and forth, back and forth, and it's in extra innings, yeah. and you're on the edge of your seat watching the game. If a nine-inning game where, you, where one team wins five to one lasts three hours and 40 minutes, yeah. I, I agree. That's too long. That's too long. But there's no reason... For me to be upset about a game that ends 5-1 to one that went 2 hours and 57 minutes. Fair enough. That, that There's no reason to be upset no. about that. Um, we've gone too long talking about the length of games. Uh, the Orioles, they, they win the first two games of their spring training schedule, scoring 10 runs in each of those games, and they haven't won since. Four straight losses. They're taking on the Braves tonight. Uh, leading off for them and playing left field is Taron Bavra, yep. who is— on fire. Yeah. He's on yeah. fire. They got him playing, like I said, they got him playing left field today mm-hmm. and leading off. And this is a guy who you talk about Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby and Jackson Holliday. And Taron Vaver gets lost in the shuffle. People forget. And it's it wasn't that long ago that he was acquired by the Orioles in yeah. that Michael Givens trade. And people were talking about, oh, man, this guy could be playing at second base for the Orioles next winning ball club. Yeah. And people forget about him, yeah, because he doesn't hit thir- twenty home runs a year. Yeah, he hit one last year, and it was in game one sixty one. I was there. I saw it, it was a three run homer in the bottom of the eighth. I ended up winning him the game. Yeah, um, but this year, his first game, he double. He hits a ground rule double. He hits a home run. He's got a triple. He's been showing a good bit of power. Yeah, uh, not uh, he has just the one home run, but it was actually not wind dated It was into a wind to dead center. Darren is making a name for himself. Yes. He's saying, Hey, don't forget that I'm here. Yes. How much is he putting himself on the radar for the Orioles to be like this guy deserves considerable playing time early.
1: I think he's been on the radar, but now you know he's setting himself apart from a lot of the other pack of infielders. Mm-hmm. That The guys like Jordan Westberg, the guys like Connor Norby. And Norby still has a lot of time to go, and I think Norby's going to be a better player in the long term than Vavra. Too. I do, think, I think I'm Westberg, pretty confident in that. I think going to be a better player. I, I would think so, too. And that's why, unfortunately for Vavra, no matter what he does, I think in the long term he could be relegated to a utility role, but that's not a bad thing on a major league ball club. You saw how much Ryan Flaherty meant to the Orioles all those years. He was such a big player, and he became a fan favorite. Taryn Vavra is, and, and the one thing that really set him apart when he was traded, and I think the reason they went out and got him, is knowledge of the strike zone, able, you know, ability to cover the entire plate, uh, and and just a knowledge of, of pitch recognition. He knows how to take at-bats. And you see that with Adley Rutschman. Colton Kowser is another great example of that. And Kowser didn't show that quite as much at AAA later on. But the guys who have that barrel control are able to get to everything, whether it's a fastball high and in at 99 or a slider low and away at 84 they can get to everything and that's the big biggest thing that separates guys to me um from from others and he's just takes great at bats and if he keeps doing that he's going to get that considerable playing time
0: well I'll, I'll tell you that brian roberts didn't hit a lot of home runs his no. career high was 18 in 2005 and that was the year he, he hit 7 in april he got off to such a toward starting hit 318 that year and then that was the yeah. year he also had the really awful elbow injury tend to end season in september but I could see Taron Vavra being a Brian Roberts type of player. He probably won't steal 50 bases in the season like Roberts did once or twice, yeah. but, and he probably won't play as good a defense. But I can see him being the type of hitter that can hit 30, 40 doubles in a year, that can back close to 300, get on base at a 360 or higher clip, and maybe he hits five home runs to go along with those 35 doubles and maybe five to, five to 10 triples, and this is a guy who has a spot on your team. If you can get on base... Like, Vavra can get on base. You should have a, you should have a spot. No nope. you, should, you should absolutely no doubt. Have, have a spot. You know, and th- then you look at the flip side of a- uh, Adam Frazier. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has a hit yet. And every out that he's made has been just a—he's a, a, basically rolled over. Yeah. He had one out yesterday where he grounded out weekly to third base. But he's not—look, they're a weekend. I understand that. He has plenty of time to get things going, but— If you're telling me, do I want, you know, nearly thirty-year-old or was he thirty-one? Believe so. Thirty-one-year-old Adam Frazier, who hit two thirty last year, or twenty-five-year-old Taron Vavra, who got on base at a three fifty clip last year. Who am I going to take? I'm going to take Taron Vavra. I'm going to take Taron Vavra. He's younger and gets on base, so I'm willing to see how this thing plays out. I think he's going to factor into the Orioles roster seriously. I think I think he's already cemented himself as a utility player to start the year. So,
1: I'm going to give you this question. Um, give me percentages for Westberg, Ortiz, and Vavra to make the opening day roster. If you're
0: v- Vavra 100%, 0% for both of the other guys.
1: You okay?
0: Zero percent. So? See, I think
1: Ortiz still has a shot.
0: I don't. Okay. I, I, I don't. I, I, the only way that he's going to make the opening day roster is if Mateo gets hurt. That's and, okay. And, and even, Fair enough. And even then, even then, he still might not because they'll just slide Gunner over the, over the okay. short and have um, Urias play. Every I was going to say, how does this
1: change if they they deal Ramon? I mean, you look at the Dodgers now needing a guy to replace Gavin Lux potentially. Um, maybe Ramon Urias would fit in very well in in Los Angeles. Say that happens, how do those percentages change for you?
0: Well, it depends on who they're getting back. True. Okay, you know, fair enough. It, it depends on who they're getting back. I would think it'd be
1: like a few younger arms, something along those lines. But we'll, we'll see. Look,
0: George, the, Joey Ortiz, his glove has been major league ready for two years, if not longer. The bat started to play last year. You saw a little glimpse of it uh, throughout this past week. Only batting 167 right now. But again, he he, he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities. Long way to go. Long, long way to go here in spring training. Uh, my thoughts on the matter are... I. I don't think that Joey Ortiz has a shot at cracking the opening day okay. roster. I just don't. In, unless Ramon Arias gets dealt and then Jorge Mateo gets hurt, I just don't see it. I just don't. But th- it's—I mean—they don't have to prove me wrong. I'm nobody to them. I'm somebody to me and to my mom and to my wife. But um, I'm nobody to them. They don't have anything to prove to me. I just—I—I I think he gets to the major league level at some point this year. Yeah. Um, I just don't know that it's—I I don't. I, I'm 100% certain it's not going to be on the opening day.
1: So how does this... So you have already... You have two guys who are going to be playing at, at second base and short uh, in Mateo and Arias. Um, Arias kind of being that guy who we view as the extra infielder at the moment. So that adds Vavra in as another extra infielder. How does that influence what Ryan McKenna has on the back end in the Ryan outfield?
0: McKenna shouldn't be on this roster. I agree. I agree. Right, uh, and look, I... I, I He's a nice guy. Yeah. I, I don't like to just be like, oh, you're terrible. You're terrible. But. <laughs> so maybe that means Vavra is your backup center fielder. Well, Vavra's going to be a super utility guy. Yeah, to no start, doubt. He no can, doubt. He, he, they'll play him a third. They'll play him a second. They'll play him in left field. They, they might give him, they'll play him in center field. They might give him an opportunity at first base. He's been working at first base yep. the, the, this offseason and into spring training. Uh, to me, it's, um. Ryan McKenna, so Ryan McKenna's a Brandon Hyde guy. So, like, He's probably going to make the roster. He'll be on the team at some point. Uh, you know that. <laughs> you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the team at opening day. I don't know that he's going to be deserving. I don't think he's going to be deserving of it. Like, like, yeah. We've been watching him play for parts of three seasons now. Yeah. Ryan McKenna is who he is. Agreed. Okay, totally like, agreed. He, he, he is who he is. He's not suddenly going to turn into Cedric Mullins. That's not going to happen. No. He's going to be a guy that might hit 230. He might hit three home runs for you and play good defense in the outfield. And that's about it. And for me, a guy like Ryan McKenna, if he's your fourth outfielder, fine, he's your fourth outfielder. He has zero room for error. Yeah. He has zero room for error because, honestly, he doesn't deserve to be there. I agree.
1: I'm just thinking of the whole roster crunch because there is so many guys and only so many spots. And then Kyle Stowers factors into this, too, where you have him... See,
0: I would much rather have Kyle Stowers on the roster.
1: Right. But then you really have five outfielders if you add in Taron Vavra to that mix, uh, being that he can play a little bit of center field in the corner. too. Yeah, but too. You, you, still need a, you, still, you still need a
0: DH. Yeah. <laughs> You do. That's you true. Still, you and do. you are the guy that put four first-base DH <laughs> types on <laughs> right, your roster last, right. last year. Let's call Stan. <laughs> all right, we we, we got to get Stan on the phone. You did mention Colton Kalser, um not off to a good start this spring. Heston Kerstad, on the other hand, is off to a blazing start. He struck out in his loan at bat yesterday, but he's 6-for-9 with two home runs, tearing the cover off the ball. At some point, and I'm very interested to get Zach's opinion on this. I'm very interested to get Stan's opinion on this. I'm wondering if... Heston Kerstad has an opportunity to leapfrog Colton Kalzer. We'll have to see about that. But first, I do want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Birdland Sports. And O's fans, did you know that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports. That's right, Josh Soroka from the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride and with prices more affordable than the big guys you can support a small business run by one of your own don't wait head to birdlandsports.com today and show your support for the birds with birdland sports joining us now on the line is stan the fan charles who's getting ready for his trip down to sarasota stan good morning how are you
2: good morning guys how you doing
0: Doing well. We were just talking about um, I was just uh, talking about Heston Kurstad as opposed to Colton Kalzer. Colton Kalzer has drawn four walks this spring, but he's also got zero hits. Meanwhile, Heston Kerstad, the mm. Arizona Fall League uh, MVP, he's six for nine now with a couple of home runs, seems to be right on everything. He's even doing it against left handed pitching. I don't think he's surpassed Colton Kalzer, but do you think, Stan, that Heston Kurstad this season has an opportunity to potentially leapfrog Colton Kalzer?
2: Well, but, you know, it's interesting. I've always liked Cowser. I can't say that I've really seen him play, look at his numbers. But Keith Law, is, I don't think he's a huge – I might have the wrong expert. No, you're right. One of the main guys. Is it Keith Law it's that's Keith not Law. a real big Cowser fan?
0: Yes, it's Keith Law.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I suppose it's possible, but I, you have to temper your enthusiasm about Kerstad with the kind of player that he was written up as. I mean, he's a hes a guy that is a um, – I won't call him an all or nothing, but he seems like maybe a 240, 245 hitter, but maybe 30 bombs and 85, 90 RBIs. Um, and that's not a, a great player. I think Kowser's much better defensively. Um, I, I don't know that he'll leapfrog him, and I certainly – I don't think we'll see him in the major leagues this year. I think he'll come. I think he'll come in next year with a real shot to make the team. But I don't see it happening. He missed an awful lot of time with his uh, illness, myocarditis, and and then his some physical ailments that were uh, not nearly as serious as that was. So uh, I'm enthused by how he's playing. And I know he wants to catch up uh, time-wise, but I don't see him making the major leagues this year.
0: All right, that, that's that's fair enough. I don't know that any of us necessarily do, but it, it beats the alternative. He's off to a really great start, so it's worth something keeping. It's worth uh, something worth keeping an eye on for sure. Another, another look, player... Look
2: look, 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 Paul, it's like 14, 15 months ago, we might have said, God, what a turnout is a total waste of mm-hmm. a pick. He now is... He's shaking the rust off, and he's starting to show people what he's capable of. And I don't know whether that gear is being a more dependable overall hitter or just a, a you know a, a big monster home run guy. You
0: know, absolutely. It's it, like, like I said, worth monitoring. And and you're absolutely correct, Sam. We were talking about this more than a year ago on the show. And we actually even a year ago when he hurt his hamstring on the first day of my of minor league spring training, we were talking about you know this guy was number two overall pick. And is this going to end up being a bus right. pick for the Orioles? Because he hasn't played in two years and now he's making a name yep. for himself. So that's definitely something that we want to see. Now, Taron Vavra stand is also off to a hot start. He's batting leadoff, playing left field today. Uh, this is a guy who nobody talks about. You know, you talk about Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westburg, Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz, Jackson holiday. Oh, by the way, Taron Vavra, who everybody was super enthused about when the Orioles made that trade from, of Michael Givens for Vavra and Nevin, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I'm still here, and I'm still a good player." Is he making a case to be included? Not only I think he's going to be on the opening day roster, but is he making a case to get considerable playing time early?
2: Uh, it looks that way. Uh, you know, I gotta I gotta tell you, it's funny how this thing's worked out with us having Givens, you know, back now. Mm-hmm. But you got to look at GM Mike Elias. I mean, right now, Tyler Nevin. Uh, is looking really nice in the Tigers' uh, scheme of things right now. So a return of Vavra and Nevin for Gibbons was a pretty darn good return.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. And, again, we were talking about him like, you know what, this guy maybe doesn't have a ton of power, but he can hit and he can get on base. And now he's showing a little bit of pop too this spring. He's got a, he's got three or four extra base hits, including an into-the-wind home run in the first spring game. Uh, to me, Stan, this is a guy who is going to be a, a, a key player for you if your team's going to have success. He can play second, he can play third, he can play first in the pinch, he can play corner outfield. He can play all three outfield positions if you need him to. Uh, I just think that this is an important player, and it's it's really nice to see him making a name for himself to start the spring.
2: Yeah. One thing, we had him on Glenn's show yesterday, and one thing is uh, his, on, I call it on-base ability, uh, he, he just seems to find a way you, you look in the box score and that on-base percentage is always impressive,
0: you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, he, he gets on-base. and For me, I know that there are guys who have more power than he does that can play the, the positions that he does in the system, but if he can get on-base at a 350 or higher clip, there's a spot for him on any Orioles roster, in, in my opinion. So um,
2: another No player question about it. No w- question about
0: worth it. monitoring. Uh, Stan, Dean Kramer comes in last night after... Um, uh, Kyle Gibson, and he goes three innings, allowing one hit with three strikeouts, no runs. In two appearances this spring, five innings pitched, two hits, a walk, an earned run, and the three the three strikeouts. He's picking up where he left off, it seems, and does he have any shot at making that opening day start for the Orioles with the way that he pitched last year and the way he's starting out this year?
2: Um, I think it depends a little bit. Um, it depends a little bit of, um, upon how how Gibson and Irvin are pitching, and and sort of where what he what he's doing in the uh, World Baseball Classic, you know, I mean, it, Team Israel doesn't it look like they're they're in a very tough spot. So it doesn't look like uh, he's going to get an awful lot of innings in there. But I still I still put him in right now at the beginning of the season uh, as my third starter, and be very content with that and let's see how the two quote-unquote big guys, uh, Kyle Gibson and Irvin, are doing. There's no question he has a chance to lap them during the course of the season. Maybe maybe you could look for him more to be the—I the, Maybe I don't know how. I haven't looked at the schedule that closely. Maybe Brandon thinks it's a good idea to give him the home opener. Yeah, uh, I can see that. If things settle down a little bit.
0: I can see that, although the Orioles play six games in six in seven days, I believe it is, to start the year. I think it's uh, Thursday, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday in Boston, then they go down to Texas for three. And actually, it's uh, seven games in eight days. So I don't know where Kramer right. would factor in, because you're going to need all five starters in those first six games, I would imagine. Um, yeah. And one of those guys is going to be Grayson Rodriguez, who I think you can count among those other two big guys. Uh, we, were, we were listening to the game the other day, and – Akil Badu was leading off the game, and Grayson just blew him away on four pitches. And the uh-huh. the, the, the Tigers broadcasters were laughing at how overmatched Akil Badu was by Grayson Rodriguez. He says his stuff is better this year than it was last year, Stan. You've had a lot of pundits because of the injury last year that have kind of just been like, you know what, he's, he's still going to be really good, but maybe he doesn't have that ace ceiling like we thought. I think he still does. How impressive was his start the other day? And is that sentiment that that they're expressing foolhardy uh, when it comes to Grayson Rodriguez?
2: Which one, which opinion that he's not going to be an ace
0: that that maybe he's going to be a a solid number two, but maybe not an ace.
2: I I think the only thing that keeps him from being an ace is, is, uh, his physical ability to stay healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I don't have any reason to think he can't stay healthy. I just don't have in today's, the, the more modern analytically driven baseball, uh, an awful lot of organizations really guard these innings with, uh, with young pitchers. And I think it's a double edged sword where you, you protect them physically, but there's also something they're, they're in the minor leagues to develop as pitchers and you can't, it's almost like looking at football players, the position of quarterback, you know, if a guy doesn't play first string quarterback and he's the backup and he's the backup for two or three years around the league, how does he develop as a quarterback? You know, I feel the same way with these innings limits with pitchers, that part of being a pitcher is sort of learning how to get out of jams, how to retire a batter, you know, two or three times. And it seems like an awful lot of these pitchers now are on these pitch counts and you know four innings and that's all right. This is the minor. Well, you know, uh, when they get to the majors, it's going to be a different ball game.
0: Yeah, and, and look, Michael Elias even st- even said over the off season that there's nothing that's really been proven that says that a certain number of innings or a certain number of pitches is a limit for somebody and it determines whether or not they're going to be a healthy player. You know, they, they want to monitor it so they don't overwork the arm and put more stress on it than it's ever been put on it before. But he, he he alluded to the fact that maybe these are kind of guidelines for them, but they are meant to push the limits. So we'll see what happens there with Grayson. I think that if, if he's proven to be the best pitcher on the roster, he's going to have every opportunity to go deeper in the games as we get later into the season. But it's certainly yep. – he's boating you, you know, well for
2: you where I think You know where I think young pitchers can really get screwed up is in the college game
3: mm-hmm.
2: when their teams get, have a chance to win the co- get to the college World Series or win the college World Series. I harken back to Ben McDonald. I think he was way overused. Yeah. in his college career, you know. Yeah, uh,
0: Stan. I think it goes back to the high school level, and you look at Dylan Bundy, where they would have him start both both heads of a double, both uh, games uh-huh. of a double header, and throw nearly 300 pitches, pitch every inning of the doubleheader. I mean, he was maybe the greatest high school pitcher of all time, and because of his overuse in high school, he's not even on a team at this point. Uh,
1: Overuse really goes back to the youth level, really. It it, it stems there because you have, you know, eight, nine-year-olds throwing curveballs, throwing sliders, throwing change-ups at at a very high level and a lot of them and there's not much worry, I guess, at that point when an arm is so young to really limit it or to, to keep in mind what they're doing, and they just throw a lot of innings and they throw a lot of pitches that really put a lot of stress on their arm. So I think it really stems all the way back there. My, sure. my,
2: my suspicions about Bundy are vastly different than, than overuse. I think uh, Dylan was, a, uh, was using steroids in high school. Really? That's my, that's my take on him, yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've never heard that theory, but it's an interesting one for sure. You know?
2: oh, it's uh, it's been uh, he he was known as a tremendous workout warrior, mm-hmm. and remember, this is this is in the days where they weren't testing for anabolic steroids. Uh, so when he got into the minor league system, he stopped doing them, and what happened? Just constantly hurt. Uh, had the Tommy John surgery, um, which you know. Uh, you know, I think if you go back on Tommy John history, there's an awful lot of pitchers. I don't have a percentage or anything like that that are built up to. You know, their their body mass and what they put on their skeletal structure is is too difficult for them. You know.
0: Yeah. No. I, you have to have a certain kind of body type and a certain kind of uh, workout regimen. The the, the the more muscular. I I more- I,
2: remember, I remember when when they drafted him. I remember. Being at the press conference when Joe Jordan announced that they drafted him, and he said, "This we watched this kid. It was like watching a man versus boys uh, in high school. Uh, yeah. Well, how do you become a man versus boys? You're a workout warrior, and you're doing steroids."
0: Yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting theory. You're the first person I've heard toss that one out there. But if, if, if... I,
2: trust me, I'm not I'm not the first person that uh, I've heard it from. I, I just uh, I have my. Suspicions. I've had my suspicions about it, and and the fact that he was such a workout warrior in high school. Did it look like he ever picked up any kind of exercise? Guy was so out of shape during his pro career. I agree. You know, I anyway, I, anyway, I remember I them talking
0: about. I remember them talking about him being a a workout warrior in high school, and I remember seeing him in 2016 on the mound. I'm like, that guy doesn't look like he hits the gym. I I I, I and right. he always you know just drenched in sweat by the end of the first inning. I I agree with you there, Stan, for for sure. Um, Sticking on the pitching side of things, Felix Bautista expected to uh, get into games around March 15th, March 16th. They said the knee's good, the shoulder's good. Um, The Orioles have a lot of good power um, arm relievers in their pen stand, including Tyler Wells. Uh, But how important is Felix Bautista getting back and getting back to the form that he was in last year to the Orioles' success in 2023?
2: I think it's I think it's usually important the uh, the fact that you have and I and I hope I hope Wells does end up out in the pen uh, because I think a a dynamic duo of those two guys at the end of games Wells and Batista mm-hmm. you don't have to overuse one versus the other uh, the fact that Wells has some experience but let's not kid ourselves Batista what he did last year was just really remarkable, and it was like when you had a lead, you knew you, you you knew you had like a ninety plus chance ninety plus percentage chance of winning that ball game, and that's something that's very important for the whole team uh and Bautista gave the orioles of of two thousand twenty two that feeling, and uh I think it's hugely important, not that I don't think that Wells can't do a job doing that. But I think that suddenly the dominoes, you know, uh, the 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 structure isn't as sound if you if you lose the key guy, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. nice to know that Wells. It's nice to know that Wells is there and could get saves, but I still like the, the having the the monster there.
0: Yes, especially throwing that. You know, 100 mile an hour plus sinking fastball, followed up by that 80, mid to upper 80s uh, splitter that's just devastating mm-hmm. back to back. Felix Bautista is hugely important to the Orioles' success moving forward. And I'll tell yep. you, if it's Tyler Wells in the eighth and Felix Bautista in the ninth, you have two big time relievers clo- setting up and closing that are six foot eight. <laughs> They'd have the biggest tandem in the league. That's for damn sure. Uh, yep. On the flip yep. side of things, Stan is Joey Crable. Four home runs, eight runs allowed, and two relief appearances to this point. Stan, it's hard not to look at Joey Crable and think Paul Fry from last year. He ended uh, 2021 very poorly, started 2022 out very poorly, and was traded out of the system. Um, Joey Crable, does it? there's a long way to go in spring. Does he? Do you think he can get back to that level he was in the first half of last year and factor into the Orioles' bullpen plans?
2: Sure doesn't look that way right now. It no. sure doesn't look that way. You know, I didn't like what I saw out of him the second half of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, look, he could tell us he's been working on some things and he's thrown well and the pitching coach could say that. But the, the numbers at a certain level, the numbers don't lie, and he's been uh, hit pretty hard so far.
0: Yeah, uh, and he said that, that he feels good physically and mentally. He feels there, He feels good. He said that he felt like he was looking back at video and his velocity was down compared to how he felt it was. Um, so he thinks that he right. can get back on track. It's up to him. I, I don't have a lot of faith. I, I'm, on, I'm in the same, on the same page as you, Stan. But, um, I,
2: I just think there are better. I, I also think he's, there are now better options. You know, Michael Bauman absolutely. is an option. L Hall. Once he gets you know healthy, could be an option. Uh, I just um, and then there'll be a slew of cuts from other teams that you could pick up somebody. You know, sure. I mean he was sort of uh, picked up off the scrap heap a little bit, and he gave the Orioles a good half season last year. Uh, but I, I don't think his time with the Birds is going to be very long.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and um, you know, Michael Elias has has seems to be pretty good at finding guys uh for it to have success at his bullpen. So we'll see how that goes. Zach has something to say.
1: Yes, yeah, Dan. I mean, you you look at Crable, and you talk about him being picked up off the scrap heap, and that seems like that was a pretty big theme for the Orioles last year, where there were a lot of guys in the bullpen. Uh, C.N.L. Perez being another one, where they were just picked up. Brian Baker. Do you expect imminent regression for a lot of these guys that were really good last year? But in the bullpen, maybe not going to be quite as good this year. And the Orioles will have to turn to more homegrown options like D.L. Hall.
2: Um, I mean that that remains to be seen. Uh, there's no question that with uh, Perez and Baker, that's that's a possibility, you know. But they were both really really strong, and and what was impressive about Baker. Not that he was more impressive than Perez. Perez was kind of lights out from day one, was that Baker seemed to be getting better as the season wore on. Uh he was the only one in that pen. As Aiken and Cray started to have rough late July's and August. Uh he he seemed to get better, his velocity got a little better, and uh I think he really clicked with what whatever Chris Holt was uh uh, dishing out, he was uh, lapping it up and just pitched a very high level the last uh, six, eight weeks
4: of the season
0: and against some tough competition, too. So, I'm looking to Baker, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Brian Baker picks up where he left off last year because he was really, really good. I, was, I wasn't big on him most of the year, but he was really good down the stretch for them. So, it'll be interesting to see if he can pick up where he left off last year. Uh, Stan, the Orioles, they have we've been talking about their infield roster crunch all off season, uh, right now, if you were going to be starting on your opening day, uh, 26 man roster, is your starting infield better if it's Mateo at shortstop and Henderson at third or Henderson at shortstop and Arias at third?
2: Uh, I don't think there's really a huge difference either way. I think either way, you're going to have a very strong left side of the infield, you know, uh, I think Mateo is probably the – overall is the strongest defender of the three players that we're talking about. Um, But I have a feeling Urias is actually going to be more productive playing a little bit less. Um, Yeah, I just think he's, he's the type of guy, I've watched him now for a couple seasons, that seems to wear down a little bit. But defensively I think either way you're gonna have a really really top notch left side of the left side of the infield. I agree. I think and it... and it brings me it brings me to a question I have for both of you. Uh, and I don't usually turn the tables on you. I'm really I'm very, very puzzled as I look at the Dodgers, you know, I'm starting to put my power rankings together, the initial I I don't have the Dodgers in the top ten this year. I think what they've done is really borders on almost like malfeasance. Uh, They're going to have now an infield of a a no-hit shortstop in Rojas, and they had a questionable defensive shortstop, in my opinion, in Gavin Lux. they got a rookie at second base, and they've got no Justin Turner at third. They're putting Max Muncie at third base. I think that's an abomination waiting to happen. I, I just think this team is so overrated going into the year. I think that, that uh, Andrew Friedman, Brandon Gomes did a horrible job this offseason.
0: Yeah, their infield doesn't seem to really strike fear in in anybody. I know they had Mookie Betts play def- second base defensively a little
2: bit. But... I know Rojas is a good, he's a plus defender, but having Max Muncie at third base, oh my goodness. You know what, though? I, I... And if you want to. And if you watch him hit last year, he was absolutely horrible last year, Max Muncy.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. Max Muncie playing third base is not a position you want your team to be in. That's just not, especially a team that okay, you expect to win 90-95 games. About
2: the, we're talking about the Orioles. They have a, a, a championship caliber left side of the infield, mm-hmm. and the right side will be pretty darn good defensively too. Yeah. To me, they they have Freddie Freeman. I, I'm guessing Vargas is a good, a plus defender. I'm guessing. But I just don't see what they've done to improve that team at all. The, the bullpen doesn't have a set closer. Uh, and the starting rotation, they lost Anderson and they didn't pick yeah. up anybody. And we know that Kershaw will be great for 22 starts. Who makes those other eight or nine, ten starts? You know, it picked up nothing. I well, Stan, get it. I,
1: I did a sounding-off segment a few weeks ago uh, about teams that had gained the most war and teams that had lost the most war uh, free agency wide. Uh-huh. And th- at that point in the season, the Dodgers had lost the most war, which made them the least-improved team in baseball. And I believe they had lost around, I, Paul, if you're trying, I'm trying to remember, I think it was around 18 uh, at that point in the season. I don't know where they are now because there's been some, some moves and, and changes. But the, they're definitely not in a great spot. I will say, although, I, I've loved – Miguel Rojas for a long time for for his ability obviously defensively uh-huh. he's versatile he used to get on base a little more than he does now he had like a 285 on base percentage last year which is not great but right. I I do think there's a lot of value in, in in Rojas and he he was a two and a half WAR player last year so I, I do think Rojas is is a better player than than maybe a lot of people give him credit for but the, the especially Max Muncie at third is is a huge problem both really offensively and defensively unless he turns it back around which yeah. he could.
0: I'll, I'll tell you that their starting rotation is still going to be really good. I mean, you're looking at their number five starter being Noah Noah Syndergaard. You, you you got Clayton Kershaw, Julio. That's who Arias. U- they, yeah. they have um, Dustin May. They have Gonsolin in that in that rotation. I still think their rotation is going to be good. The bullpen, they 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 lost a closer. Um, really, Stan. You make an excellent point about about the infield. The outfield looks like it's going to be good. They, they're going to have great defense at. Uh, first base and it's shortstop, but your shortstop really can't hit. The Orioles are in the same situation. It's the I, I agree. I think I think maybe the the Padres have surpassed them for the for the top of the division.
2: Oh, e- easily. I have the I now have the Padres as the number one team in baseball right now. Yeah,
5: they're, they're I, you know,
2: um, the, and and I don't have the Dodgers in the top ten. Where, uh, d- you start looking around at the the teams that are better than the Dodgers, and it's not hard to find anymore yeah know? well
0: that's what happens i think when they're you
2: have... much closer i think they're much closer to falling into third place in that division than they than they are of you know in other words i think they're much closer to arizona than they are to san diego
0: yeah that, that's what happens when you have a 300 million dollar payroll and you can't sustain that yeah, yeah i, I yep. so that's that's what happens so stan before we let you go New rules are in yep. effect in baseball, and the the chief among them is this pitch clock. And pitchers will be um, uh, that will, uh, will be given a ball in the count if they don't throw a pitch by 15 seconds. Pitch uh, and batters will will earn, for lack of a better term, a strike in the count if they don't get in the batter's box set within eight second by the eight second mark. Uh, to me, Stan, you're already seeing—you've seen walks be earned with and strikeouts be earned without the liberty of a pitch being thrown. You've seen it end the game already in spring training. For me, I don't think you should be awarded a strikeout or a walk without a pitch being thrown. But I guess I don't know how else you're going to punish them for not adhering to this rule. What are your thoughts on it? And what's your thought on now the pace of play being nearly 20 minutes faster than spring training last year because of this pitch clock?
2: Well, I am a proponent of speeding the game up. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling though, in in two to three years when they introduce the Robo umpire, you know, which I think is coming,
1: mm-hmm. um once it's
2: refined a little bit more. Yeah. I think you're gonna all of a sudden the executives in baseball are gonna be going, Jeez whiz, people are, are are up in arms because the games are under two hours. You know, there's a lot of games under two hours. Um I I think the whole thing the whole thing of, that turns me off about it but I overall I still give it a thumbs up. I I one of the things about baseball was that the clock meant nothing. There was something sort of almost spiritual mm-hmm. or artistic about a game where the clock isn't the important thing. It's the the game ends when it's when it's due to end. The, the whole thing feels a little rushed to me, you know. I, um, yeah, I agree. That's, that's that's my one complaint. I'm also confused. Can you tell me if I'm a if I'm Cole Irvin out on the mound? Am I going to be seeing the clock as I look in and get my sign from the catcher, or or how am I knowing that I'm down to like two seconds and one, you know? And then as a viewer. I finally saw it last night on a game, the Cubs and the Padres. They had it up with the scoreboard. I mean, you know, the scoreboard came up, and you had the score of the game was there, and you had the clock ticking.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: as a viewer, I had the sense when it was happening, but I don't understand where the pitcher's going to see that.
0: Well, in the early games uh, at the beginning of the, of the spring training sessions which we're talking a week ago, there were big clocks. Behind home
2: plate, I, I saw that was that. But are those real clocks? Yeah, because they, they they why did they disappear after three or four games? I think that that I what, don't see them anymore.
0: I think that they've done something with the camera angles. I think they've made that maybe the ca- camera angles a little bit more narrow so that you can't see them. But they were there. They they. I, I think I would think the
1: clocks would be off to the side. So if you're a lefty, before you're facing the plate and you're kind of checking out first base and, and you're making sure your right. runner isn't going, right. then you're seeing the clock there. And if you're a righty. It's kind of going to be on the other side. I would assume that's how it works. Yeah. I, I would think. And there's, yeah.
2: a, there's
0: also probably
1: something.
2: Those clocks. clocks that you're talking about behind the catcher, mm-hmm. they, they may not have been real clocks. They may have been clocks for TV viewing. They for sure the way looked they real. Can artificially put in, they can artificially put in commercials.
3: That's uh, true.
2: Billboards that don't exist. I don't know if those were real clocks or not.
0: No, I, I, it never even occurred to me that they weren't real, but there's a good chance that they weren't, if, especially because I haven't seen them since yeah. the first few games either. You, you're absolutely especially correct, in spring,
2: well, uh, Especially in spring training ballparks, you really think they were going to have each team was going to install clocks behind home plate, you know? yeah, I, I don't know.
1: I, I think at the end of the day, I have too. I'll to find
2: out. I'll, I'll find out when I get down there, though. Yeah.
1: I think at the end of the day, these broadcast networks are going to have to figure out how to implement this, too, because you've seen they're not really implementing it into the score bug right now. It's just kind of off to the side. You have this clock and this picture of a clock, and it looks kind of weird right now. So I think everyone's just trying to figure this out. And once spring training ends, we'll have a more uh, a be- better idea of what we're looking at pitch clockwise.
2: Oh, but there's also the well, idea... Last, no, well, well, last night, uh, that's the game I'm talking about, the game where the Cubs no-hit the Padres, mm-hmm. um, it, it was in the graphic of the scoreboard yeah. where it had to count, and on the side of it, it had 15, 14, 13, you know, a clock ticking. And that that was a lot less bothersome than seeing it behind the hitter sort of right. screaming at me that, hey, he's got to get that pitch off, you know. Yeah, I, I think
0: that that's something that you can probably expect. It would be in that score bug in, in the yeah. corner of the screen. But, but also, but as far
2: as... The- be, don't be don't be surprised if in two or three years they aren't backing off of some of those rules because the game is sped up too much.
0: I'm also wondering if maybe because now they can they can um, do signs for the pitcher through an automated thing that goes yeah. in if, if they have something in their ear. I'm wondering if they can yeah. do that and be like five seconds left, like in in their ear. That's yeah. also
1: possible. Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: well, well, they'll they'll figure out how to do it. I'm sure that right now they're just fine tuning it, but I don't want to see maybe, it be cause of maybe, the end of of a game. I don't want to see that.
2: Maybe they can maybe they can get like a sexy female voice. Yes. Yeah, 5 seconds.
1: 5 seconds. Yeah. 5 yeah. seconds.
0: <laughs> five. <laughs> All right, Stan, we got to get out of here. Um, what do you got coming up right. this week? Are you, are you off this week or are you, you going to be doing some shows this uh, week?
2: doing a, doing a show Monday night. Um Believe I got to talk to Ross today. I think we're going to have former Oriole uh, Mike Devero on with us, uh, and then no show Thursday, no show the following Monday, and then when I get back the 16th, we'll have Ed Hale, the owner of the Baltimore Blast, on with us.
0: All right. Well, we will look forward to that. Have a great time down there, Sam. We'll talk to you soon. All right.
2: All right, guys. Well, well are we going to talk? Are we going to try and talk next Saturday? We'll we'll
0: give it a shot. We'll leave that up to you. Okay. You you let us know.
2: All right. Okay, I will. See you, Thanks, Stan. bud.
0: Bye. Bye. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, joining us for his weekly segment. And Stan continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chatted with the great Rick Dempsey. Then Stan also caught up, up with new Towson football coach Peach, Pete Peach Pete Shinnick. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash sports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday for another great show, trying to get Mike Devereaux on the show, so tune in for that. When we come back in from the Lots On Orioles podcast, Connor Newcomb joins the show, plus sounding off with Zach Goodman. That and more next on the bat round
5: have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccBCm for more details, CCBC, Apartment Maintenance Technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443 840 2222
6: or CCBCMD.EDU. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. It.
4: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always 100 North Point Boulevard.
0: All right. Welcome back into the Bat Around. Coming to you live from our Towson studios here on a not chilly but not warm Saturday morning here in early March. I want to remind you that baseball betting is here. Year. Bet as little as $20 with Caesars and get a $100 instant bonus bet. Credit along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball future bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. I'll tell you, I think that whoever types this up, and I know who types it up, I'm not going to put them <laughs> on blast. They're, the the typos are always in these ads. Two different ones. Oh, three. It says uh, press box on oin o n o i n e. <laughs> I get it. The O and the L are close to each other on the keyboard. I but it's it's funny. There's, there's, a, there's a there's a new typo every week. Nice. There's a new typo every. Microsoft week. Microsoft
1: Word should be catching that. What's going on, Microsoft?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It should be catching that. The, yeah, I don't. You're, I, you're maybe m- maybe they they think that it's not being uh, caught because. It's a it's a website link. Maybe. And so, like, Maybe. it puts a squiggly red line under it. It's because it's all one word. Ah, you might be right. You know, so, so they're, not, they're not paying attention. You know, not, not just a hat rack up here. Not, not, <laughs> not just a hat oh. rack. <laughs> that
1: was a good one. I like yeah. that one. I, the, I, ma- I, the man who owns, like, 150 hats. Or at least.
0: At uh, least. Oh, man. No, I I have... That I wear regularly, I have, like... 30 plus... That's th- it? Wow, I thought you were more... 30 plus. We have a ton of hats. I swear they're, you
1: said one time that you had like at least 50 just Oreo ones. So,
0: yeah, oh yeah. We. Yeah. I, I, th- I said that a couple of weeks ago. That's true. Yeah. I just I don't wear all of them. Some of them are, are in a bag in the closet or, oh, in, the, okay. or, or okay. in the garage because they're either like too stretched out or yeah. they're... I, I don't wear snapbacks or Velcro, but I, especially I have one Velcro-back hat. Mm-hmm. That I wear. I don't like those, and it's that yeah. it's it's a Maryland hat. I just like the way it looks, and I wear it to play golf sometimes. Okay. Um, but I'm not a big fan of the velcro back hats, and I'm not a big Me fan. There, there are very few. I own a few snapback hats that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are very few snapback hats that I that I like. I'm not a big fan either. Yeah. I think it's because my hairline is too far back <laughs> at, at this point. I like to wear my hats backwards. A yeah, lot, yeah, yeah. And I um,
1: not it's not professional enough for the show though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I um. I don't wear a ton of snapbacks unless they look unless they look really nice. So,
1: you know, that's a little Is that an American Eagle jacket, by the way? It is. It's a nice jacket. Thank you. Nice jacket. I, I've
0: had this hoodie for a very, very long time. My wife wants me to get rid of it because it's got some holes in the back of it, which I didn't realize. Oh, okay. When I say holes, like like a little one, like I got caught on a hook or a yeah. hanger or something yeah. like that. But it's, I like it. It's comfortable. It used to be like my signature hoodie. Now I, w- <laughs> I, I I've realized that the sleeves get stretched out very easily. But I do love yeah. this hoodie. Hmm. I do love. Nice. it. Nice. I've had it for a very long time. Um. All right. We're going to have joining us on the program here in just a matter of moments from the Locked On Orioles podcast, Connor Newcomb. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, you can give him a call now, Let's I guess. It. We're going to talk about uh, Dean Kramer picking up where he left off um, and, and his show uh, that he put out yesterday, His most re- and he's uh, airing his podcast five days a week, Monday through Friday, the Locked On Orioles podcast. Podcast with host Connor Newcomb. Um, yesterday's episode talked about uh, is DL Hall uh, is is his role in flux. Grayson Rodriguez dominating. Uh, is Joey Crable okay? Is um, Spencer Watkins being overlooked? We're going to talk about all of that with Connor on the show. And it's it's interesting. It's been well documented on this show how much I believe in D.L. Hall, and I'm really looking forward to talking. I know that you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about him so much. I have a love affair with with D.L. Hall. I think he's an absolute stud, um, and I think that the Orioles are doing a, him a disservice if they are to make him a reliever. And I, The other thing about that with D.L. Hall um, is I think you risk losing him, even if he becomes a Josh Hader or you know, some powerful back-end reliever, and he's exceptionally good for you. if he becomes Andrew Miller or Zach Britton or Josh Hader, I think even if he gets to that point, you risk losing him if you just, without giving him, in my opinion, a fair shake um, to be a starting pitcher at the big league level. I think that when it comes time for him to um, get a contract, I think that the Orioles are the at the at in the rear view for him if you don't allow him every opportunity to become a starter, and I think that you're also doing your team a disservice because I think he can be one of the best starters in baseball if you give him that opportunity. It's up to him just to find the command, but his stuff, if he's on, I'm telling you he's better than Grayson Rodriguez. So joining us now on the program on the, from the Locked on Orioles podcast, that host who airs episodes Monday through Friday, he is Connor Newcomb. Connor, it's Paul, it's Zach. Good morning, man. Thanks for joining us
7: today. Yeah, Paul and Zach, thank you so much for uh, having me on again.
0: Oh uh, yeah, we, we are we are super excited to have you on the show. And first and foremost, Connor, um, I put up my little bullet points to, uh, uh, with my opinions on your bullet points on your most recent episode of the podcast, and somebody at the end of the night yesterday posted, thank you, Paul, you just saved a lot of us 20 minutes. That was not my intent. Uh- that is not what I was doing at all when I put those up. I put those up before I ever even got a chance to listen to your to your show. I was just giving my opinions on each bullet point. So I'm really hoping I didn't cost you listeners yesterday.
7: Uh, no, I, I I don't think so. Um, if I'm being uh, cost listeners in in any stretch of the imagination, it's certainly for other things, and not for that. Uh, so I'll say that.
0: Yeah, probably for thinking that um that Mike Iskremski would be one of the guys on the on the <laughs> trade list, right?
7: Yeah, that one still hurts. I'm not going to lie. I uh, I still stand by the fact that people were mad enough about that that it should have been on there. I agree. am more with you. upset yeah. that you know, for the nah, record, I agree. I'm more upset that I named I named every other one that was on there and decided not to go with all of those.
0: Yeah. No. I I I've, I, I had a few of those in in our uh, championship loss where I was adamant that my answer was correct and it was not, and we ended up losing the championship after going in undefeated. So, Connor, I feel your pain. Absolutely. Now, getting into things, I was just talking about D.L. Hall. And, Connor, if you've listened to any show over the past six months, um, you would know exactly how I feel about D.L. Hall. I think that he can be one of the best starters in all of baseball if he's provided the opportunity. You saw how good he was down the stretch for the Orioles last year. And you saw his walk rate drop almost two walks per nine in his limited time at the big league level. Um, What are your thoughts on D.L. Hall? Should the Orioles keep him a starter? Do you think that if he can help the team as a reliever to start the year, that's where he should go? Uh, I'm very interested to get your take on this.
7: Yeah, I think if we're in the same position to start the 2022 season and D.L. Hall were not coming off of kind of a weird elbow injury in 2021, instead he had pitched well, he had gotten a triple-A, and he was at this timeline a year earlier – I think this would be no conversation. He'd be in the opening day rotation, No, you know, if there was no little back injury he's got or whatever it may be. He'd be in the rotation because the Orioles would be certainly not trying to do what they did last year, at least at the beginning of the season. We were expecting another 90-loss season, I think, last year, and we would have had D.L. Hall in the rotation um, and getting a chance to pitch every fifth day and see what he's got as a starter. Of course, that didn't happen. He still needed AAA time. The Orioles had an amazing year. They had starting options, and they gave them the one start last year. But I do think now it's different because the Orioles, of course, did not go all in by any stretch of the imagination this offseason. But everything we're hearing and everything that the team looks like is they're trying to win this year. And my opinion has been, and I've said this on the podcast a lot, is that If you want to win, you got to go north with your 13 best pitchers. Mm -hmm. And DL Hall is without question one of the 13 best pitchers that is in camp with the Orioles right now. Whether he's a starter or a reliever, he is one of the 13 best pitchers. Now, the thing that I think I still haven't made a full opinion about is that I still think he can be a starter. Mm -hmm. I have not given up on him as a starter, but... I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him into the rotation right now, even if he was going to be built up by opening day, which it looks like he's not going to be. So I think it, I, I talked about this really, it was most of a Friday show was how do they really make this decision here? Knowing that any misstep could have, and I was listening to you right before you brought me on. It, it could have long-term effects on how DL views himself in this organization as well. Mm-hmm. No,
0: I, I I agree with you. And my whole thing with that, Connor, is if you have been saying all along he's a starting pitcher, he's a starting pitcher. This is this is our intent for him. Then if he's not built up enough to be in your starting rotation, and you can't make the argument that that right now he deserves to be in there above the guys that are ahead of him, and, and with good reason because he he he's not there yet as far as the build up, and these other guys have already proven it at the big league level. Uh, but how do you build get him built up by having him start the year in your bullpen? I'm more than okay with having him spend a month in AAA starting for the Norfolk Tides, You know, go, starting at three innings and graduating after two starts to four, then to five, and maybe six here and there, and letting him prove that he deserves to be one of those five guys in the rotation. That doesn't happen if you start the year with him in your bullpen.
7: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think another thing is, if the Orioles' whole plan is He's going to spend six weeks in Norfolk. We're going to build him up to a full pitch count, and then we're going to bring him right up to the rotation. If that's mm-hmm. the plan, I'm fine with that. But I'm both worried and also realistically, I don't think that can really be the plan. Because if you look at the Orioles' rotation now, I think most people are in agreement, unless the Orioles make some sort of egregious move and you know m- manipulate Grayson Rodriguez's service time and send him down, I think we all agree it's probably going to be Gibson, Irvin, Braddish, Kramer, and Rodriguez as yep. five in the starting rotation. Even if there's an injury there, you know, in those first six weeks, you know, you have a Tyler Wells who would be pretty easily just inserted right into that role. We'll probably start the year in the bullpen and get that role. And if you stay healthy with those five and the six weeks pass and DL Hall's fully built up and he's dominating AAA. I kind of want to get your opinion on it like what would you do then if that was your plan but then 6 weeks in everybody's healthy and everybody's not dominating but nobody's pitching poorly enough to lose that rotation spot what would you do then
0: I'll I'll tell you then if 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 that's what happens and I, maybe I'm alone in this I go six man rotation I, if DL Hall is dominating at AAA and he's looking like the pitcher that he absolutely can be he deserves to be in your rotation. And if, you're, and if the other five guys are performing well, you just go to, in my opinion, you go to a six-man rotation. Or if you want to limit Grayson Rodriguez's innings, maybe you go four innings with Grayson, four innings with DL, or five innings with Grayson, three, three innings with DL um, once every week. And the, the problem kind of figures itself out there. I, I, to me, I think his ceiling— If he reaches the level, I think he can reach his ceilings higher than Grayson Rodriguez. I think his stuff is just so nasty. We had Ryan Ripken on the show two weeks ago, and he said that when he would face both guys in camp, he would have in the minor leagues, like in spring training and all that, he would rather face Grayson Rodriguez because, yeah, you know Grayson's going to blow a fastball by you, but you know he's coming at you with the fastball. He said D.L. would embarrass you. He would make you look silly in the batter's box. I just—D.L. Hall, if he's the guy— He's got to be there. He's absolutely got to be there. You figure it out, in my opinion.
7: Yeah, and, and I think one thing that I've tried to clear up on my show as well is when I've done my opening day roster predictions, I have put D.L. Hall in the bullpen. Now, over the last week, I've changed that tone when the Orioles have been talking about how he's not built up. I do think this is not what I you know, would necessarily do if I were in charge, but I do think he's going to start the year in the AAA a rotation. I think, so, I think everything they've said about we want him to be a starter, that he's not built up yet, you know, he got the late start because of the little back issue, but he's, he's healthy. I completely think we're going to see him basically start opening day for the Northbrook Tides. I think that's going to happen. However, I don't think, you know, if I was in charge, yes, I would put him in the bullpen and in the majors to start the year, but I wouldn't make him a one-inning guy. I would have him somehow get a regular role And this is kind of like a dream scenario for Orioles fans who understand there will be innings limits. But the thing that you mentioned, a Rodriguez-Hall piggyback sort of tandem, Mm -hmm. I think could be the way to keep Hall in somewhat of a starter buildup and have him on the opening day roster because he is one of your 13 best pitchers. Because we know they're not going to let Grayson Rodriguez throw 200 innings this year. It's just not going to happen. He's he's not going to come anywhere close. I'm predicting somewhere around 130 for Rodriguez, maybe 140 for his innings count this year. And a good way to do that is if you think you're going to be in the playoffs, you want to have him every fifth day in August and September, which means you are not going to have him every fifth day for the first couple months of the year. So if you want to go four innings of Grayson and then hand it off to D.L. Hall and say get us to the back end of the bullpen, you might go through some growing pains with that because it's interesting roles for both guys they've maybe not done a whole lot of but that at least keeps Hall built up to the point where he's still helping you in the big leagues and then say, you know, Braddish has a little shoulder issue again, or Kramer, you know, has to go on the injured list for a week, or Cole Irvin has a couple of bad starts or whatever it may be. You can pretty easily insert Hall into that rotation and say, you know what? Go four innings as a starter. We still have Tyler Wells behind you. We still have Austin both behind you. That can give you length. Heck, you know, Mike Bauman might even make this team. We still have yep. Mike Bauman behind you to give you length. And I do think there is a way. Now, Gibson and Irvin, I think, are going to pitch deep into games. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's a way between Kramer and Bradish and Rodriguez and Hall and even these guys like Wells and maybe Bauman and Vost to kind of have your pitching staff look more like a college baseball staff, in which you may have one ace that's going to pitch deep into games. But after that, you have some starters, and then you have some more starters who don't necessarily start the game, but they're ready to throw three and a third in relief at, you know, at any given time. Yeah. I think the Orioles might want to try that because it gets D.L. Hall on the roster, and it keeps him built up more than an inning. And then as the year goes on, I don't expect all five of those guys I named to be good all year. Radish might take a step back. Kramer might take a step back. Irvin might just not be that good. Gibson might just be over the hill. You never know and you can have Hall immediately ready to step in while still helping you for those first two months in the big league. Because so at the end of the day, you're trying to win, and D.L. Hall being on the roster in whatever role gives you a much better chance than, say, Keegan Aiken, who would probably replace him if Hall is in AAA.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Connor. I can't really find fault in anything you said. You also have to think about the fact that if you're, pl- if you're pitching well and, you, and your, your guys are pitching well, Kyle Gibson's only here for the year right so then you're looking at who's going to be in your rotation next year you also think about the fact that Cole Urban he's here for this year and i think he's under team control for next year if he's pitching well but Hall looks better at the deadline somebody could use urban and then it's you can trade him away get somebody maybe get a bat that helps you down the stretch and you bring you bring up hall into this rotation these problems seem to always find a way to work themselves out it's something that they it, do. we're having this conversation in march in June or July, we could be having uh, the same basis of the conversation, but it could be completely different. You know, So the, these things will find a way to work themselves out. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, though, Connor. The depth that the Orioles have put together on this team is something I don't know that I have ever seen in, in my 30-plus years of being an Orioles fan. They are deep everywhere. How exciting is it that the Orioles are, are, are this deep and have these kinds of problems on their hands now?
7: Yeah, it's great and it kind of adds to the point I made about like the college baseball rotation. Sure. Is that, you know, when you when you take D- Dylan Tate's roster spot for example, you know, he's going to be gone for at least April, hopefully not more, and there's talk about, "Oh, will they put Politti in that spot? Will they keep the Rule 5 guy and try him out?" I'd rather keep a guy like Mike Bauman mm-hmm. or a Keegan Aiken because I'd rather have a bunch of guys who, you know, if they've had a couple of days of rest, can give you two or three innings out of the bullpen at any time. I think that makes your bullpen so much better. And what I also think that does is really preps a bullpen for the playoffs because guys are going to be asked to go more and more deeper into games. If they're really trying to get to the postseason this year, I would love to see a bullpen built up like that. Now, they don't have the talent that the Astros have, but that's what the Astros pitching staff Mm -hmm. is. They basically had seven starters all of last year, and they had two guys who were just pitching in long relief and pitching in high-leverage spots and pitching three innings out of the bullpen. I would like to see that, and they have the depth where – You know, Spencer Watkins, I talked about him on Friday's episode as well. Like, he's had a nice little run here with the Orioles. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's talking about him for the rotation. And probably just because you look at the 12 guys who are in, you know, spots for the starting rotation, I think he's probably only ahead of, you know, maybe Rahm and Bauman right now. Like, he might be 10th out of 12 on that list. And it's just because the Orioles have much more depth at this point. So, and the hitting depth is good, too. I mean they've got, you know, all the prospects ready to go in AAA if if anybody gets injured. It's just nice to see it and it's not it's not Dodgers, you know, old Dodgers or Padres level depths where you have like legitimate impact big leaguers coming off the bench mm-hmm. and you know being behind you at every spot. Like it seems like the Padres have 50 40 man roster spots it feels like. Mm-hmm. But it's still much better depth than they've had in a long time and honestly, it's way better depth than they had in the good Buck years. Yeah. Because, you know, Instead of having to call up, you know, I'm trying to find relievers, off like a Preston Gilmet to come up and pitch out of your bullpen or like a random retread reliever you've claimed off waivers, you might have a legitimate dude in Mike Bauman in AAA or in Keegan Aiken who's given you good innings before and can give you length, and you've got all these minor league signing guys they've brought in, you've got other younger guys in AAA, and there's just so much better depth in AAA this year, that it's not going to be as much of an issue. Because, listen, the Orioles were very healthy last year, besides John Means. Like, they got pretty lucky. They're not going to be as healthy this year. But I think they're set up to be able to handle that a little bit better.
0: Uh, I I agree with you, and you mentioned those, those good buck teams. That 2015 Orioles team had seven different position players that ended up playing 155 or more games, I believe it was, that year, and it just shows you that they didn't have the depth to give any of those guys rest. And in that five-year stretch, that was their their worst season. They went 81 and 81 uh, that that season, and it goes to show you how much depth matters for a team. Now we've been talking a lot about the pitching here. Oh, and I wanted to also to piggyback off your point about how you want to have some starters who can come out of the bullpen. The 2019 Nationals won the World Series. Their bullpen was statistically To that point, the worst bullpen in the history of Major League Baseball. And then they win the World Series because they have guys like Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin and and, um, uh, Max Scherzer coming out of the bullpen at different points during the postseason. And that's that's how you end up winning championships, by having a bunch of starters that can come in and give you innings out of the pen in the playoffs. So it's an excellent point that you made there. Now, Connor, for the Orioles starting rotation – guy who's was picking up right where he left off last year, Dean Kramer. You can make the argument he was the Orioles' best starter the last half of the season. He went three innings last night, one hit, three strikeouts, um, five innings pitched, two hits, one walk, one run, three strikeouts, and two outings. You know, we talk about it's either going to be uh, Kyle Gibson or Cole Irvin on opening day. How much of a shot does Dean Kramer have, considering he was here last year, he was really good, and he looks really good right now. How much of a shot does he have at being that opening day pitcher come March 30th?
7: Yeah, I think he has a legitimate shot. Um, I really do. I I think that for Dean Kramer, you know, they're going to give him a chance to win that role. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Team Israel uses him in the World Baseball Classic, how the Orioles have communicated with them to potentially use him and and what his role is going to be there, how many innings he's going to pitch. I can't believe it's going to be a lot. Mm -hmm. But even if the Orioles do go with a veteran, on opening day, I could see it being Gibson or Irvin. I could 100% see them setting it up to where Dean Kramer pitches game two and then potentially gets to pitch the home opener against the Yankees as kind of a reward for what he did last year. And I think that'd be even better maybe than, than pitching opening day up at Fenway Park. But, you know, I'm still not completely sold because, again, it was one season, not even a full season because he missed two months with that oblique injury. And the year before, 2021, was a complete disaster. So things are still up in the air for Dean Kramer, but he is definitely trending in the right direction. I think in terms of guys they can trust in this rotation, just get them innings and keep them in games. I would put him at at number three behind Irvin and Gibson, at least for now, just because we haven't seen Rodriguez in the big leagues yet. Mm-hmm. But I, I am really liking what I'm seeing from Dean Kramer. And I don't think he's ever going to be anybody's ace, but he's just going to be a good mid-rotation starter, I think, for a couple years here. And at the very least, it does feel like, you know, I, I hate going back to this, but you have to bring it up. It does feel like they at least got something for Manny Machado at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like that. And you, Dean Kramer also feels like the guy, to me, who just needed something to give him that confidence. In 2021, it never looked like he had confidence when he was out on the mound. And it showed. He comes up, he, he pitched well in, in the uh, to start out in the minors last year, comes up and pitches well uh, to start out the season for the Orioles. He had a little tough stretch in July, but that was really it for the season. Once he got going and knew that he could compete at this level, he just seems like one of those guys who he never looks back. And I agree, I don't think he's ever going to be an ace, but I can see him being a solid number three uh, on this staff for a few years if it turns out that way. Now, the guy who we expect to be the number one at some point, maybe as early as this season, is Grayson Rodriguez. And Dan Connolly was saying last week uh, uh, that he is clearly the best pitcher that the Orioles have in, in their roster. Uh, right now, it's just a matter of getting him built up to the point where you can go out there and not have to worry about his innings. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, do you see him turning into that ace maybe by midseason this year?
7: Yeah, it's going to be tough because especially what we saw Spencer Strider do last year for the Braves and just come in and be, at times, the best pitcher in the National League
4: you know, mm-hmm. throughout
7: last season. I don't know if Rodriguez is going to do that. I mean, he is, has better prospect pedigree than Strider had when Spencer Strider got to the big league, so it's certainly possible. I think we have to give Rodriguez a little bit of a grace period here sure. because he is coming off of, you know, an injury that's not bothering him anymore, but it did keep him out for three months last year after he was, you know, looking his best right before that injury happened in June. And he's still never thrown a major league pitch. And, you know, despite the more balanced schedule, he's still coming up in the American League. So we got to give him a little bit of time. But I do think, and some of this has to do with that the Orioles have really stockpiled, it feels like a lot of three and four starters. So the, the, the path to becoming the Orioles' ace is a little bit easier right now, especially with John Means, even if he pitches this year coming off you know the long break from Tommy John. So that makes it a little bit easier to say, yeah, Rodriguez could be the ace by midseason. But he has the stuff, he has the mindset, he has the command to fall into that role. And if you're asking me, like, hey, the Orioles get into a wild card series this year, could you see Grayson Rodriguez pitching game one? 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's almost likely that that's the case. Uh, if the Orioles do get to the postseason, because that probably means Rodriguez pitched well and helped them get there this year.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I like what you said—a little grace for Grayson Rodriguez. I think that we could, uh, if, if he gets roughed up, we'll start seeing the signs around the Orioles Park. Grace for Grayson—it's uh, a, it's a, that's mm-hmm. a nice little play. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it was a nice, a nice play on words there uh, by you, Conor. I'll
7: take it. I'll claim it like I, like I did it on purpose.
0: Um. We're going to do Orioles banter a little bit later in the show here. And I do want to talk about it now, though. Ryan Mountcastle, he has two doubles last night. And you and I did a a show um, on the Locked on Orioles podcast a few months back where we talked about Ryan Mountcastle's season and how unlucky he was. We've heard a lot of people talk about how they expect this to be a big year for Ryan Mountcastle. How important is his offensive output to the success of the 2023 Orioles?
7: I think he's huge to be honest, because I think we are going to get a great year from Adley. I think Gunnar Henderson's going to go through some rough patches in his first big league year, but generally he's going to have a good year. But then you look around and, you know, I think we know what we're going to get from Cedric Mullins, but we've had amazing year and we've had solid year. And then I think what we know what we're going to get out of Anthony Santander, but you're just not sure. And you, you still can't be sure he's going to be around all season. And so you're looking at Ryan Malkassel to potentially be the number three guy other than Adley or Gunner in this lineup and specifically to be the number one right-handed hitter for this team in a ballpark that no longer plays to right-handed hitters as Ryan Mountcastle really did learn the hard way in 2022. So I don't think he needs to hit 35 homers because frankly, it's going to be a lot harder for him to hit 35 homers now. But what I do think needs to happen is, first of all, the the luck needs to fall his way a little bit more, which I think it will. Mm -hmm. But if he keeps up what he did last year, and we know he needs to cut down on the swing and miss, and especially the chase rate, but all he needs to do is cut it a little bit. And he actually did cut it a little bit last year. He can just cut it down a little bit more this year and continue to have that batted ball profile that he did in 2022. He's going to have a big year. And, you know, with Adley and Gunner, if the two of them are, are, are living up to their hype, Teams are not going to want to pitch to them if they're hitting 2-3 in the lineup. And in steps Ryan Mountcastle hitting 4th or 5th, he could feast, especially if teams feel, hey, you know what, maybe I can attack right-handed hitters, be a little more aggressive against them in this new ballpark, now that I know a pop-up won't be a home run in the left field seats. And I think Mountcastle could feast with a lot of doubles, a lot of extra base hits in general, and, and have a big year.
0: Yeah, and he's also got great power to the opposite field we we've seen that i remember on uh, in the home opener in 2021 it was his only home run of the first month of the season but he hit a laser beam that got out on about 3 point it, they got out on about 0.3 seconds it was 108 miles an hour off the bat he has tremendous power to the opposite field so maybe not a 35 homer season but he could approach 30 just by using all fields and i i do agree with you he was very unlucky last year and the, the uh swing decisions have to get a little bit better not by a ton but I think that he's going to have a big role in the Orioles' success this season and moving forward. Before we let you go, Connor, one last question for you. Hessen Kerstad wins the Arizona Fall League MVP, comes out in his first spring training game, not just this season, but ever. He hits two homers, hits another one that was almost a home run, missed it by a, by a couple feet, foul. Uh, and he also had another base hit uh, lumped in there. Colton Kalzer, on the other hand, he's expected to make his Major League debut this year after reaching Triple A in his first full pro season. He does not have a hit this year. He seems to strike out a, a good bit. He's not on Keith Wall's top 100 uh, prospects list. And he says, Keith Wall stating that he's maybe a solid fourth outfielder, a solid outfielder at his ceiling for the Orioles, but he just can't hit left-handed pitching. Do you think Heston Kerstad has the ability, this maybe as soon as this season, to leapfrog Colton Kalzer before the season's over?
7: I think he does not as much of a shot at Kowser, but I think Kerstad's ceiling is higher than Kowser's just as a hitter.
3: Mm-hmm. I think
7: Kowser will always be a better defender than Kurstad. I think Kowser a hundred percent will have a higher floor. I like, I think Colton Kowser is going to be a major leaguer, like almost no doubt about it. Sure. Heston Kerstad, it could maybe flame out at some point because while the defense is solid, you know, it, he's not a center fielder, whereas I think Kowser can play center field and, you know, it's just a, a game that is predicated on power a little bit more than Cousers is. But I think for Kerstad, listen, if we can just finally see a full healthy season and he's going to hit some bumps in the road, like he has never played in the high minors ever. He's going to start the year in double-A buoy mm-hmm. and he's going to get hit with high level pitching really for the first time. You could argue since he was at Arkansas and was seeing SEC pitching, like he's going to see some really high level arms at double-A AA and triple-A this year. And they're going to challenge him. And I don't think he's going to be in the majors this year, but I think we're going to see Heston Kerstad in the big leagues in 2024. I think he's going to have a higher ceiling than Kowser. I think he's going to have a higher ceiling than a guy like Kyle Stowers and a guy like Austin Hayes and potentially even a higher ceiling than a guy like Anthony Santander. I think we could see him as a starting outfielder for the Orioles next year if his 2023 in the high minors goes well. And I could see him leapfrogging Kowser. I still think Couser is going to get to the big leagues first because I think he'll get to the majors this year. But that doesn't mean Kurstad can't pass him um, in 2024. I just think the upside's there, and we've you know we've barely bitten off any of you know what you can see from from Kurstad just because he's been out for so long, and we're finally going to get to see know what people saw at Arkansas before the Orioles drafted
0: him. Oh, for sure and, and how much difference a year makes Connor this time last year we were talking about Heston Kerstad who had just injured his hamstring after coming back from the myocarditis spout and we're talking about maybe that pick ends up being a bust and the Orioles picking number two in the draft and it being a bust that can't happen and now we're talking about him maybe he could leapfrog their number five pick from the, the year following uh, to get to the major leagues it's a quite a turnaround for Kerstad and we're wishing him all the best for him and for the Orioles, for that matter, moving forward. Now, Connor, what do you have coming up this week on the Locked on the Orioles podcast?
7: Yeah, so we're, we're back to five days a week here, less than a month until opening day. So new episodes Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts as well. I'm going to do some more positional previews, just kind of lumping some of the O's into some position groups, talk about opening day roster, who will make it, what their roles will be throughout the season. And uh, we do, I believe, have our second Televised spring training game, and the first one televised on Masson of the year is on Monday. So we'll finally get to get a little bit better look at some of these guys. So we'll be breaking that down this week on the pod as well.
0: Uh, we are certainly looking forward to it, Connor, and we're looking forward to the next time we get to talk with you. Hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Have a great weekend and enjoy the first televised game uh, by the Orioles anyway on Monday. All right.
7: Will do. Thank you, guys.
0: I right, see it. That was Connor Newcomb joining us from the Locked on Orioles podcast. Connor, segment. Brought to you today by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, before we catch our break, I know that the masters are coming up, baseball season's coming up. We're, you know, pitching all of our offers at pressboxonline.com slash offers for your betting. Uh, but look, guys, gambling's supposed to be fun, but please set a limit. And stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. That's HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. When we come back in, uh, we're going to do the Sounding Off segment with Zach Goodman. We're going to do some trivia, and we're also going to do some Orioles banter. That's next on The bat round
5: for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent.
4: Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows that the Costa Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costa Costas Inn has upped their game. They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410 477 1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard.
5: Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on
1: new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing.
5: He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it.
1: He is outfielder Cedric
5: Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Brian Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavaloa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. It's a great Ray
1: Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and listen live at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts.
5: Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online ccbcmd.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu.
0: All right, welcome back into the bat round Rolling right along here on Saturday, March 4th, 2023, the year of our Lord. Uh, today's show <laughs> brought to you by Glenn Clark Radio, which is Press Box's definitive. Press Box's and any—let div- me start this over. Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports online or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, or, just kidding, with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Orioles utility man Terren Vavra, NFL super agent Lee Steinberg, ESPN analyst Tim Hasselbeck, and Towson guard Cam Holden. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Somebody that we didn't get to talk about that I wanted to talk about is Spencer Watkins, who went out last night mm-hmm. and he uh, he threw two innings of perfect baseball, didn't give up a hit or a walk in his two out in his two innings uh, last night. Nobody talks about him, no, or not last night, the day before. Nobody talks about him as being part of the Orioles rotation, and with reason. He's yeah, he's and Connor said it. He's probably out of twelve starting rotation candidates. He's probably number ten. Yeah. Right now, Spencer Watkins had a really nice nine-start stretch last year, where he had an ERA of 2.47. Fared fared so much better than he did in 2021. Really served himself well, but he's not better than Kyle Gibson or Cole Irvin, or certainly not Grayson Rodriguez or Kyle Bradish or Dean Kramer. And some people, there's a fan commenting on our show. Um, some people get upset about the fact that we. Don't include Spencer Watkins. That's the... the, the, the and, and rightfully so.
1: I think, I think we haven't really talked about him much because of his history,
0: right? I mean, he came into Major League Baseball as a 30-year-old. So, mm-hmm. who was coaching high school baseball and had yeah, basically I mean, given up the, on the idea of ever pitching again?
1: Right, I, I think for Spencer Watkins, the big thing is going to be consistency over a period of time. That nine start stretch, great, but he's going to have to do that for thirty. If he really, well, that's that's a stretch. He's going to have to do that for like twenty three out of thirty starts if he really wants to make himself a a legit piece in the Orioles rotation. Like you said, the problem is right now there's nine guys, frankly, that are better. So it's not that we're discounting Spencer Watkins, it's just that there's other guys that are better than him at the moment and I don't really see how he fits in.
0: Yeah, and Spencer Watkins maybe if this was 2019 or 2020, you're like you're, the three. you're looking at him and you're talking about him as, "Oh man, he can be the the number 2 starter behind yeah. John Means." Yeah. Well, this isn't 2020. This isn't 2019. This is 2023. The Orioles have the number one farm system in baseball. They have legitimate big league pitchers for their rotation and legitimate prospects like Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall that can crack that rotation this year. And they're better than Spencer Watkins. I love what he did for that nine start yes. stretch last year. He again, he served himself very well. Is he one of the best eight or nine starting rotation options for the Orioles right now? He isn't. No. You can't make the argument that, that he's right. better than both I mean, and Wells either. No, you can't. And it, it, keep in mind
1: that every time he comes back, it's on a minor league deal, and he's not. Nobody, no other team is really get, going out there and going, hey, Spencer, we'll give you $2 million on a major league deal. I think if Spencer, if they knew his stuff was good enough and they knew the consistency was good enough, someone would give him a shot. But the great thing about Spencer Watkins is that he's there when you need him, and the mm-hmm. Orioles will need him at some point. I, I will give you... I will, uh, Paul, I will give you $10 if Spencer Watkins doesn't make t- uh, five starts for the Orioles.
0: I think he will. Is that going to take you like three months? Because it took you like a month and a half to pay me the five <laughs> bucks from our bet last year. Oh, that's year. true.
1: It did. It did. Yeah, I know. No,
0: um, nah, uh, keep, keep your money. Uh, he's, he's, gonna, he's going to... Um, he's a big league pitcher. Yeah. I, I think he is a big league pitcher. I just don't think he's a big league pitcher on yeah. this Orioles ball club. Yeah. Um, as far as the starting rotation concerns, is concerned, they, they can certainly use him in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. They can certainly use him for a spot start. He will get innings yeah. at the major league level, or he'll be traded to a team that he can Look, better use him. I think he's better than Keegan Aiken is. I, I think he's better. Yeah. So I, yeah, if he, I I
1: I could give you that. If he's the long reliever who comes in and throws 45, 50 pitches when you need a guy in a tough spot, and he's that swing man out of the bullpen where you can say, okay, here's a Sunday game. We're gonna throw out you know Ryan McKenna as our leadoff hitter today, and the rest of the lineup's gonna be a punt lineup. Let's throw Spencer Watkins in there to to pitch a game and and make a spot start. That's what he's there for, I think, and that's great insurance to have. And every ball club needs that kind of insurance. <laughs>
0: You good there? Yeah, I was trying to say keep going because I had a. Sneeze oh, I thought you wanted on. me to wrap it up. So no, 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 I, I, <laughs> I started wrapping I w- it up. I was saying like keep okay. going, keep going. Um, uh, just because I had to, I had to let out a sneeze there, but and, and you mentioned the punt lineup, and Brandon Hyde actually said something interesting, uh, this past week, mm-hmm. where he said, um, every game has a potential for the best possible lineup because of the Orioles' depth, and I don't know, and that's why like I I don't know that Ryan McKenna necessarily has a spot on right. this team. I mean he If they're injury free. There there were plenty of times last year where I said Ryan McKenna is a legitimate fourth outfielder. Yeah. Any team could use Ryan McKenna as their fourth outfielder. The problem is Ryan McKenna played way more than a fourth outfielder should mm-hmm. last year. And when he did play, he'd bet fifth, he'd bet first, sometimes he'd bet fourth. Uh, you'd see him bat in the bottom third of the order, but it, yeah. uh, just as much as he did in the top half of the right. order as well. Uh, if no, no offense to Ryan McKenna, but, yeah, it, but it, it, batting fifth? Yeah. If, if, come if on. If Ryan McKenna is your fourth outfielder, and when he gets that Sunday start, you bat him ninth, I have no issues with that. Mm-hmm. But if Ryan McKenna is your fourth outfielder, he's playing Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and he's batting one through five, what are we doing? And I think that the Orioles have the depth this year where you don't have to do that. Now... Yeah. McKenna is starting in center field, I believe, tonight, today. Yeah. And they, he, they
1: just changed the lineup, by the way. Vaver's now out of the lineup for some reason. Oh, did he's not that. playing. So let me give you the new updated lineup courtesy I'll of. Be,
0: I bet McKenna's batting leadoff now. I'm playing center McKenna's field. McKenna's batting seventh, actually. Okay.
1: Uh, so they have Gunner in the leadoff spot with uh, Rutchman, Stowers, Westberg, O'Hearn, Cordero, McKenna, Kowser, Ortiz. That's the lineup for this. So Kowser
0: replaced. I Barbara. guess that's how it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm 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 hoping the Viver not got maybe he just something that's nagging and it's nothing serious. We'll have to see on. Yeah. I'm sure it's on social media, but he's having a really nice spring. Yeah, he's having a really nice spring, and I think he's an important role player for the Orioles, coming off the bench and maybe getting you know three or four starts a week in some capacity. I really like what Taron Viver can do, and I think that on any major league team there should be a spot for a guy that can hit. 280 right. to 300 get on base of the 360 the 380 clip.
1: By the way, we, we we will see Cole Irvin as the starter on TV against the Phillies on Monday, uh, again, courtesy of Rock And then Tyler Wells and Bruce Zimmerman going today. Cade Povich, CNL Perez, and Logan Gillespie all scheduled pitch today. Um, and there were some other pieces of news. Uh, Kyle Bradish making the start tomorrow with Ballman, Politi, uh, Charles, and Hoffman listed okay. as the uh, guys following him.
0: Okay. The, the Orioles. Um they're on a bit of a dry spell right now as far as the winds are concerned. They they started the season winning two straight 10 to 5 and 10 to 6, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've lost four straight now. Uh, you don't put a lot of stock into what happens in spring training, no. but you want to see your, your your the key pieces of your team start to perform. Well, Tyler Wells getting a start today, Bradish tomorrow, uh, Cole Irvin on Monday. Yeah. Like you said, it, you want to see these guys kind of starting to gear it up a little bit. We're probably about 2 weeks away from them you know, playing considerable innings.
1: Yeah. Making like a, a five six inning start.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um look, it's fun. Would love to be able to watch it. Only get to watch on Monday. <laughs> there's also a um I think that there is a game on Wednesday that you can watch. That's either on ML it might be on MLB network. Yes. I think they're playing the Phillies. I think you're right. Um, and there's also some games that like maybe if you can't watch them they're airing at, like midnight or two a.m. or something mm-hmm, like that. You mm-hmm. can record and watch them if you have some time throughout the week. Um, probably so through MLB TV, I
1: would assume. Well, That's... no, no, I
0: mean like airing on MLB Network. Now, oh, okay. Now, if Got you it. have MLB TV, you have more opportunities to watch the Orioles. I think there's like yeah. there's like thirteen or fourteen Orioles games that are televised yeah. um, because of the uh, the team that they're playing yeah. um, throughout the rest of the spring. But I don't have that information in front of me. But I was hoping to watch them last night, and I was lied to. <laughs> so. Um, before we get into Orioles-Panther, let's talk about um, your Sounding Off segment.
1: I did a last-minute change, actually. Yeah. Or are <laughs> you going to make a read there and then decide not to? I decided not to. Okay. Say. Yeah, I, I made a last-minute change. Um, I was going to talk about and I'll still talk about it for a second. I talked last week about how I want all... MLB broadcast to be under the MLB umbrella. I want all thirty teams to be controlled by Major League Baseball, and to be standardized, where you have streaming available for everyone, where you have cable still available for everyone who wants that too, and to make it a more standardized process. And this week, it came out that uh, seventeen teams, it looks like, are now going to go under the MLB umbrella because of the financial failure of Bali Sports uh, and the Diamond Sports Network, which is the owner of the media group, owner of Bali Sports. Um, that's all courtesy of an ESPN article. It's Bali. Bally, sure. Like, like it's Bally. Okay. Like Bally. Bally's health clubs. Bally, you're right. Um, so that's that's the news. 17 <laughs> teams look like they're going to go under the MLB umbrella. I don't know how long that will last. Maybe another regional sports network similar to the Diamond Sports Network will come along next year and buy them all up. That's possible. But that's just an update to what I talked about last week.
0: It's crazy because I don't ever remember seeing the Bally Sports Network until last year and they're already going Correct, on. There. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, maybe they maybe they bought too many too quickly. That's kind of what I would think. Like you had I think they had 14 teams and oh, wow. um yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but 17 teams it looks like now we're going to go under um this MLB umbrella. So Good to see, I think, and hopefully the streaming gets figured out. Please, MLB, figure out streaming. Yeah. Uh, but to move on, my dad sent me this this morning, and I did see this yesterday as well, that the Red Sox did something really interesting yesterday in a spring training game. Uh, they shifted on Joey Gallo. Even though you're not allowed to shift anymore in the infield, there are loopholes in the shift for the outfield. So they brought their left fielder over and put him behind second base um in, in the outfield, but behind second base. And had a center fielder and a right fielder stay in the same spot, maybe shifted a little bit over to the right because Joey Gallo pulls the ball like, I don't know, a, a ridiculous amount of the time. Probably mm-hmm. over like 50%, I would think. It's um, got to be higher than that if you're, moving, it, it it, if you're leaving is. your entire left field. I mean, if he's hits over there. Right. I mean, you've got your third baseman over there, but he'd have to make that entire run or the center fielder is getting mm-hmm. it. So if Gallo goes oppo and he learns to go oppo, he's going to have a pretty good time because he'll, he'll be getting triples every, every time. Um, But So the Red Sox found this loophole where they can essentially still stack that right side against a guy like Gallo, and the left fielder was so far in. He was still in the outfield grass, but he was so far in that that's a pretty easy throw if the ball's going to him. He's still throwing out a guy like Gallo. Maybe you're not throwing out a Victor Robles, but you're throwing out a Gallo. So I want to get your thoughts on this because the Red Sox found this way, and you know that now the Red Sox did it. Every team's going to start doing this. and I'm sure every team is aware of this before uh, that they could do this. But do you think, first of all, that Major League Baseball is going to come and say, "Okay, we're going to outlaw this now too," or is that something that happened next year? What's your thoughts? on I don't on think this they can situation?
0: with the CBA. You probably can't. No, um, it screams, "I'm a biatch." <laughs> it, it. Come on, come on. But you but, know, like, every team's going to start doing it. Joey Gallo can't hit to begin with. <laughs> all right. So yeah. now, now you need to to bring uh, like, I hate it. I hate, I hate it too i absolutely hate I hated it. the shift as it was i've always hated the shift i've always hated the shift because it's to me it's cheating mm-hmm. to me it's cheating it's saying yeah, you know disagree. what i can't get this guy out unless i do something non-conforming to the rules mm-hmm. i i like i can't get this guy out otherwise yeah. do your job and i get it the red sox are supposed to suck this year <laughs> like i don't think they're gonna suck I don't think they're going to suck. I think everybody's writing them off, and I think that they could win 82 games this year. But, come on. The whole point of the rule was to stop that crap from happening. Right. And they're just, like, what can baseball do? Because you made the rules for the infield. Now you have to wait, what, four more years to implement? Everybody has to play their position. Like, you need your left fielder in left field. You need your center fielder, and so on and so forth. I hate it. I hate it, and it, it, like, it, it defeats the purpose of banning the shift. You know, it, it's, you're know, it's you not banning the shift. You're just banning your infielders from playing too far over yeah. because now you're letting your left fielder come over and take the place of who would have been your yeah, third baseman.
1: Exactly. You're basically putting him in the same spot. It, it's he's it's playing. the
0: same damn thing. You just it's, now have four infielders on the dirt. Exactly.
1: It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and honestly, I, I think it probably hurts Gallo even more than the shift did before. I think this is even worse. Because now you still have, if he hits a ball down the, the left field line, you still have a third baseman who can possibly get it over there, you mm-hmm. know, which wasn't the case before. Um, and the ball is going straight to the left fielder before, and that's an automatic single. Now you've got a guy in the way of that unless you hit it over his head. You've got to hit it over his head.
0: Mm-hmm. And for Gallo, that doesn't seem like it's it's very easy these I days. I hope it backfires on whatever teams decide to do it mm-hmm. so miserably. I hope that they get burnt by Inside park, inside what? the park home run after inside the park home run on a blooper down the left field. You know
1: line. what? I don't think this is going to become a commonplace thing because there's not that many guys who pull the ball like Joey Gallo pulls the ball. Yeah. There's just not. I mean, I think most guys have like a... You know, a 35% pool percentage, 35% to center, and then, like, whatever's left over is the oppo. Um, 30% left is oppo. That's generally how it plays out for a lot of guys, and I was digging into that a few weeks ago, actually, um, and that seems to be the case. But Gallo, I'd have to look up his numbers, but I'm actually going to do that right now um, and see how much he pulls the ball. I would, I would assume it's over 50%, I would think.
0: Yeah, it's probably over 70%, It or maybe Oof. even... That's high. Uh, yeah, I I know that's high, but like you can't justify it otherwise. I, I it's I'm right, be, well, I will figure this out right now. I'm gonna be interested interested to see because if a guy only pulls the ball fifty percent of the time, it
1: uh, okay. So Gallo last year 484 uh, percent pull, huh? Thirty four percent straight and seventeen percent oppo. So I mean they someone might get beat on. I mean eighteen percent of his hits went oppo. So if seventeen point six, so that's an interesting strategy actually. I thought it'd be higher than that. I really did. I thought, I thought his pull percentage would be way higher. I was thinking, because every time I've watched Joey Gallo, that man pulls the ball. That's why he works so perfectly in Yankee Stadium. And it's, mm-hmm. it's weird that he didn't really have a lot of success there because if he just gets a hold of one, even as a pop up, that could get out because the guy pulls the ball 48.4% of the time. But it's interesting, in his rookie year, he was 62.7% pull and 7% oppo.
0: <laughs> so it looks like he's, he's getting better. He's, got, he's gotten a little better. Wasn't that the year that he had more home runs than singles? Probably like, prob- 2015. Was a, there was a year where he had 41 homers and like 39 singles or something like that. That so
1: 2015 actually he didn't play that much. It was only like probably like 30 40 games, but still he he pulled the ball almost exclusively um, during that year and even a lot of the ones that went to center field. And I mentioned this on, on the show once before. I'm interested to see how Baseball Savant breaks this down. What you know is center field in each ballpark. What is left field in each ballpark? What's right field? So. I don't know. That's obviously something that baseball savant has to figure out. But moral of the story is, Joey Gallo will be punished by this. He will be. And they're probably... He's going
0: to be punished. He's he, in a lot of trouble. He, he's not going to have a lot of fun. I'll tell you that. I think Gallo... I think he's already not having a lot of fun. I think <laughs> as prob- soon as he went to the Yankees, right. he stopped having fun. Man, last year yeah. was miserable for him. It was pretty miserable. It's the point where we saw him like dropping pop-ups in left field, like... Joey Gallo is... Which is funny, because he's actually a pretty good defender. I mean, he his uh, his arm strength... He's a gold-glover. He's a gold yeah. glove defender.
1: Arm strength, 90th percentile. Outfielder jump in the 86th percentile, but then you look at his outs above average, 19. So I'm not sure how that plays into it, but that just means he doesn't have a lot of range, more or less.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It, it, on the one hand, it's like, the, you're a big league ball player, man. Make the proper adjustments to be a better player. Yeah. You know, but, you know, to me... Maybe it's something that's gonna force guys to get better. I don't know. I also don't people that say, Oh, just hit it to the opposite field <laughs> Have you ever faced a fastball in your life? Right. In your life, right. like like I'll tell you, it's not the easiest thing in the world to go to the opposite field when you're facing a seventy-five mile an hour fastball. Yeah. These guys are facing ninety five to hundred plus right. fastballs and oh, let me just let me just wait a split second longer and go to the opposite field not yeah, only you that. try it.
1: Every single pitcher knows that Gallo is gonna struggle with the pitches.
0: Uh, to go opposite field, on the
1: outside of the plate. I mm-hmm. mean, they know. Here's the thing, Gallo is gonna try to pull a ball that's a hundred on the outside corner. He's yep. gonna he's gonna try to do that. Just so, pull everything. That's his game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th- 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 you know how to beat him now. You know. Yeah,
0: I mean they've known how to beat him since he yeah, came into that, the league. That's true. So it's just one of those things, man. I just I just think that it's such a, a word move to. Move your left fielder and be like, oh, I can't shift my infielders. <laughs> like I just, I can't stand it. I, I, I Paul abso- Valley, big, big Red Sox fan. I absolutely cannot stand it. You know, they Alex core already got away with highway robbery. You know what I mean? And now he's going to be able to. Uh, he, he, he gets a slap on the wrist. He comes back a year after being suspended from the league and being fired by the Red Sox and manages the Red Sox again. And now it's oh I can't I can't shift my infielders. Well, don't worry, I'll move my left fielder over and still screw over left-handed hitters. I just I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Uh, what I don't hate is the latest edition of <laughs> Press Box, which is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he has begun how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smolka breaks down another year of wide receiver issues for the Ravens. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Um, I'm going to make an executive decision that we're going to skip Orioles banter okay. because we've already basically talked about everything that we we're going to talk Throwing about next week. in Orioles banter. And basically, it's just, um, we started to talk about a little bit last week too. We know that the season hinges on how good Felix Bautista can be, on Adley Rutschman taking another step forward, on Ryan Mountcastle getting back to being that slugger that we saw yeah. his first two, his first season and a half at the big league level. Um, significantly important for all these guys to take another step forward. Um so, And we've already talked about them a lot. We're running short on time. I got a dog at home I got to get to. So we're going to skip that segment for today. I promise you we'll talk about it next week. I promise. 100%. We, we will talk about it next week. We're going to catch our final break. When we come back in, I think I've got a little bit of a better trivia question okay. for Zach because uh, I'm going to do it in a kind of... um. I'm already nervous. It's a difficult question, but I'm going to do it in an, easy, over here. In, in an easier way. Okay. So that'll be next on The Battle Round.
5: Baseball season is finally here and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise including unique designs like birds are coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go, Os. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and
7: aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip, that first bite, start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
5: Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443 842 820 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Real Estate Sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu.
4: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
6: Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs.
0: Alright, welcome in to the batter. I'm rolling right along here. Our final segment here and it's going to be a trivia question for Zach. Zach has to go watch a game to scout a player um, at Hartford Community College. I used to play a lot of games. I played baseball on that field at Hartford yeah. Community College before it became the nice turf field well, d- it is now. Didn't you play for Hartford? I yeah, thought you did. Yeah, yeah. I, I played for Hartford in, yeah. 05 in uh, the fall of 05 and the spring of 06 yeah. um, back when they weren't good and um, that's why I was on the team. Um. And then <laughs> I so I, I played in a Wednesday night league that played on the, the turf field there all the way through twenty twenty Do you show up on baseball reference? No, I type in ball um, Valley. Um I don't think our stats were kept anywhere official. Um I went four for twenty. Oh, okay. So
1: when I, I typed in Paul Valley and it brought me to a page on baseball reference, the nineteen fifty four Paul's Valley Raiders ah. <laughs> was a baseball amazing. I thought you team. were gonna say it
0: brought you a por- brought you to a porn hub page.
1: Uh no, not where I was going with that. <laughs> that team though, managed by uh, Lloyd Pearson, um, went forty one and ninety nine. So Solid. Don't don't want to put your name behind that.
0: <laughs> Forty-one and ninety-nine. That's about the state That's that's about the um.
1: What, what league? This was in the Sooner State League, so somewhere in Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Interesting. All right. <laughs> Getting to this, but yeah, I, I, the the Harford Turf Field. I um I played on that in the Wednesday Night Baseball League. My team won the championship the last year of the Wednesday Night Baseball League, and I have hit a home run over that big left field wall. I've hit one right off the top of the wall there. I've had some, some nice Very moments nice. on that field. I've also that, that left f- field wall is pretty tall, too. Yeah, it's like 30 feet high. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hit a leadoff homer. So I'll never forget little little uh, Paul Valley baseball story time. I was uh, I show up to the game. If I get one more freaking spam call during this show, I'm going to lose you. my mind. I, I'm going to put my name on the do not call registry. I'm just going to do You should. It. I, I can't believe I haven't yet. But anywho, um, I show up to the field for a six o'clock game it's like 5 15 so i'm warming up and the uh the manager comes up to me he's like all right paul don't overthink things just get in there and do what you're what you're what you can do um you know this is a big opportunity he, he said something for i took it as an insult because i'm like if you don't believe on me believe in me if you feel like you have to say stuff like that to me then why am i on the team mm-hmm. and then i see the lineup card and see i'm batting leadoff. And I was like, oh, because usually I would bat further cause the team that I play for that I played for in that league and that I play for in yep. the fall still, um, is really good. Like really good. Okay. And they're constantly – they they they've it's the Susquehanna Braves and they've constantly won championships in summer leagues and stuff like that around and they've been around for like twenty plus years. Yeah. So I was batting Liloff, I was like, oh well that makes sense why he would say that to me. So I come up to the plate in my in my first at bat and the guy throws me um, he throws strike one, I take the pitch. He throws a a curveball that is nowhere near the strike zone to get it to 1-1. And I'm like, well, he's not going to throw that pitch again. I'm like, he's going to throw me another fastball to try and get ahead 1-2. So I sat on it, and I hit this thing like 415 feet. (laughs) it, It came off the bat like a rocket sailed over that left field fence. But I didn't think I hit it high enough to get it over the wall. Again, it's like a thirty-foot wall down the left field uh, yeah, line. Yeah, it is. So I'm sprinting around first base, and the second baseman has to tell me, "Dude, it's gone! It's a home run!" So <laughs> that I—that's uh, happened to me on more than one occasion. Where so then hit you go into one,
1: that Paul Valley home run trot?
0: Yeah, d- dude, the home run trot is always sweet. I—I've mm. I, hit like five home runs in my life. I little little insight here. There aren't many. Growing up, there weren't many fields that that had fences. Correct. Yep. Uh, so like I've only hit—I've hit more. I've hit my fair share of home runs. But I've only hit like five that have gone over a fence yeah. because I didn't start playing on fence fields till I was a, a grown man, mm-hmm. um, and so like I never got that actual home run trot until I was already an adult. Yeah. And it's so
1: cool. Not you, you didn't play. I'm sure Falston had a fence, right? I didn't play in high school. Oh, you didn't play in high school. No, okay.
0: I, I didn't play in high school. That's that's a story for another day that I don't want to tell on the air. Interesting. Um, okay. I'm also a better player now than I was when I was in high school. Okay. But there was a, there were a lot. So of how
1: players. did you? You can tell me off air, I guess. But how did you make a JUCO team after not playing in high school? I'm very curious of that. Well... I, I know Hartford Community College was very, very different Juco back then. So, than they are I, gra- now, but...
0: I graduated in 02. Okay. I didn't play for Hartford till 5 Oh, I gotcha. okay. And it was back when there weren't a lot of people that were trying out. And so, th- honestly, they didn't make cuts. Got it. But... I earned my way to being the starting right fielder on the team at a point just in time to just in time to sprain my ankle playing basketball. Ah, uh, no. And I missed the rest of the season. Yeah, I broke my thumb last year well, playing basketball. Well, our, our starting right fielder, who I play with on the, uh, who I've played with on the Susquehanna Braves, he's, he's a good player, our starting right fielder tore his labrum. And so then I became the starting right fielder and then immediately oh, damn near broke my ankle playing basketball and missed miss, miss the rest of That's the rough. season but i was I, I i had some moments for them not 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 a ton I, <laughs> you, I i had a multi-hit game one time you saying that reminds
1: me when i used to when i was in high school and i worked with uh, the Aberdeen Ironbirds and i i worked as like an usher there at the stadium and i there were all these uh these older guys who were the ushers with me and they would all tell me ah oh, if i hadn't sprained my knee in <laughs> 1973 i would have been i would have been a Baltimore no, Oriole No, stuff I, like that, I, so. I never
0: would have done anything yeah. beyond like it, i, I I tried out for Frostburg's team. Yeah. And it goes back to my work ethic. I always thought that I was so good of a baseball player mm-hmm. that I didn't need to work at it outside of the season. Yeah. So I'd go You weren't hit. a Dylan Bundy gym rat. No. no. so I would <laughs> I, I didn't become a gym rat till I was already a man. Okay. And I didn't become didn't start working on hitting, fielding and throwing in the off season till I was already a man. Okay. And even then, it took me till it took me my first year of the men's 30 and over league where I thought I could just go in there and just dominate because I was young and athletic. Still, I was 29. And yeah. I, I turned 30 later that year, so I was I was I was eligible to play. And I sucked. I had a terrible year. Yeah. So ever since, then, I worked throughout the all the entire off season to keep my, my skills skill sharp. I play in winter leagues. I play in Florida. Yeah. And now I'm I'm not gonna say I'm, the, I'm like not one of the best players in the league, but I'm one of the better players in the league. One of the more versatile. I'm gonna come players. to a game one of these days. You, you should come. I have a game I tomorrow. It's, you're used to driving long distance. I have a game tomorrow. Where with you Red at? Lion. Redline PA, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, um, I'll let you know. Our season starts in like a month. You, okay, you can come to one of those games. Um, but yeah, so it. If I had worked at it when I was a kid, I probably would have been a lot better. Maybe would have actually, um, played more meaningful baseball growing yeah. up. But I play meaningful baseball now, and I love it. It's fun, and you know, I, I serve myself well out there. I pl- I play well, so because um, I work at it. But anyway. Um, So, yeah, moving on to other things. We have a trivia question here, Zach. I wrote down some numbers for you. Read off the numbers for our listeners. All right, 1.6,
1: 2.4, 2.5, 3,
0: 4.5, 5.6. Okay, you were correct in guessing that those are war. Yeah. That is the war of the eight Orioles rookies since 2012 to post a 1.6 war or better in their rookie season. Okay. This is
1: B-War? Yes, B-War. Really B, B it's B-War.
0: Okay. Um, three to the 1.6 war. That is the only war to show up multiple times. It shows up three times. Here are, you can write them down or you can just try to remember them. These okay. are the eight rookies. Okay. Miguel Gonzalez. Okay. Wei Yin Chen. Hold on, give me one second. I'm going to write these down. Okay. Chen. Okay. Manny Machado. Okay. Dylan Bundy. Okay. Trey Mancini. Trey. Okay. Renato Nunez. Ooh. John Means. Okay. Adley Rutschman. Rutsch. Okay. I want you to match the player to their war. Interesting. Okay. So,
1: Rutsch was 5.6. 5.2.
0: 5.2.
1: 5.2. Did I write 5.6? Yeah, you, you, you have 5.6 oh, oh, six. Oh, in here. I don't
0: know why I did that. It's, okay. it's probably because I wrote 1.6 to start. It's 5.2.
1: Okay, so Rutschman yep. is correct. Uh, at So there's only there's only six wars here, but two guys had the same, I'm assuming? Th- three guys had a 1.6. Oh, 6. okay, 1.6. So uh, Trey was good his rookie year, but I don't know if he would have been in the... I'm going to put Trey at 2.5. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, I'll go to the 3 then for Trey. Incorrect.
0: <laughs> two, four then. <laughs> 2-4. Okay, 2-4. Two, two, I'm four only going to give you two more
1: misses. Okay, okay. Fair enough.
0: I'll give you three more misses. No, two more misses. The okay. list is too short. I'm going to give you two more misses. But Ma- So Machado... John Means was a really good rookie. I know Maj-
1: I know John Means was a really good rookie. Was he a four... Uh, Machado was... I'm debating whether John Means or Machado was the four and a half. I think it's either one of them. I don't think... Miguel Gonzalez, I'm putting it one six. I don't think Miguel Gonzalez was that much higher. Are
0: you making an official guess? Uh... Uh yeah, I'll put Miguel Gonzalez at one six. Incorrect. Really?
1: And nobody else said two point four. That was only Trey.
0: Correct. There's a there's a there's a two point five, a three point zero, um, a four point five, and all three one 1.6s.
1: Ooh, okay. Um so yeah, it, it, Machado and and uh Machado had to be you know I'm I'm going Machado with the
0: two five. Incorrect. Oh, man. You have to remember <laughs> that... That I'll, I'll give you one more okay. One more wrong answer before you're done. Okay. Because you just have not fared well on this. Um, I mean, so, so all you, the numbers you, are pretty close. You have so. to remember that Machado two, four, two, five, debuted at 19... Yeah, you're right. You're ...in right. August. Okay. And so, surpassed so. rookie limitations that year. He did. Uh... So you're thinking he got two months worth of playing time and had more than 130 at bats. All right, so we'll, we'll give so Machado.
1: You're saying is the 1.6? Is, is one of the 1.6? He 1. is one, 1. 1, 1 of the 1.6. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So so, so far we'll draw you Machado there.
0: You have Rutschman. Um,
1: John Means was really good. So Renato Nunez would ne- defensively would never have gotten to f- uh, 4.5. There's no way Renato Nunez probably is one of the 1.6s. Dylan Bundy was good his rookie year, but I don't know if he was good enough. Uh, Chen, I know, had a pretty good rookie year as well. I'm going to I'm gonna throw um, John Means on the 4.5.
0: John Means, 4.5 okay. in 2019. That is absolutely okay. inc- incorrect. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> right. It's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right are, are you guessing Nunez, 1.6? You said you know he has to be the one, one? Yeah, I would think Nunez
1: will be 1.6. That is also correct. So okay. you have
0: a 1.6 a 2.5, okay. a 3.0, 7, 7, 7. <laughs> you get the reference? Chandler.
1: Chandler Bing, right?
0: Uh, well, I mean, it's From Monica t- talking oh, yeah, to right, Chandler. Right, okay, but. right, right, right. Um, a 3, 2, 1, <laughs> a yeah. 1, 2, yeah. 7, 4, 7. 7, 7. <laughs>
1: I remember that. Um, it,
0: it, it should be easier now.
1: Yeah, it should be. I See, Chen was Channing Miguel Gonzalez, I think, are the tough ones for me because I don't remember the rookie years as well. Um, Bundy... Uh, Bundy, Bundy, Bundy. I, you know, Bundy. I have three left and three guys left here. Uh, I feel like Bundy. <laughs> I'm, I'm going Bundy on the, the two and a half.
0: <clears throat>
1: okay, what Bundy You are at?
0: incorrect. Dylan Bundy, 1.6. Really? In 2016, okay. his ERA was above four. So
1: then the two and a half, I, I would think would have been Chen.
0: Yes. Two okay. and a half was Chen, okay. and that means a 3.0 was Miguel Gonzalez. Okay. Um, wow.
1: I like that. That was a that was a good style trivia question. Yeah, I, I, like I, that. I
0: figured otherwise it was going to be too hard, so I figured I'd give you an opportunity of seeing the numbers and having yeah. the players in front of you. I mean, I
1: would have. So Rutchman means Bundy Machado. Those that, and Trey, I would have pulled out, but I don't think I would have remembered Renato Nunez had that good of a rookie year to be up there, and certainly Miguel well, Gonzalez and Chen it,
0: because 2018 was the year that he was only here for like 60 games and he hit seven home runs, but okay. he, he had a good year, and made us think that he was going to be a decent player. And then the next year he hit 31 home runs. Okay, but he yeah. exceeded rookie limits in 2018. Miguel Gonzalez came up and made 22 starts in 2012 with like a 3.2 ERA. Yeah. wei yin Chen had like a 4.02 ERA in like 30 starts his rookie year and threw like 180 plus innings. So Trey Mancini was good. John Means I was surprised at 4.5. I knew he was good. His rookie year. I didn't know that he was 4.5. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Rasmussen the 5.2 that was easy. That just happened. We right, knew, we, right, we right. knew that. Um, Manny Machado, I thought would have been higher because of, I, because, yeah, because he's Manny Machado. But when I yeah. looked it up, it's like, I knew he only played two months. He hit like 270 something or 268 yeah. or 276 or something like that with the seven home runs. But, and he was the AL player of the week, his first yeah. week ever. It was 2013 where he hit 52 doubles. Yeah. The, the power hadn't quite come yet, but he was like a difference maker offensively and defensively before yeah. he hurt his knee. That's when it would have been like.
1: That's what I was thinking of. I thought right. that's the season you meant, and that's why I guess like three because he didn't play for you know nearly. War is obviously cumulative, so I, I thought you meant like his 2013 season, not the two months in 2012. But that no, makes sense. So,
0: but he, he surpassed rookie of the year limit because he would if if 2013 was his rookie year, he would have been rookie of the year. Yeah, oh, he yeah. 100 percent would have yeah. been rookie of the year. Yeah. In fact, let's look up real quick. What Manny Machado's WAR was in twenty? Um,
1: I'll make a guess for this. Make a guess, uh, sure. Uh, twenty fifteen. I want to guess he was a three point six WAR player. I'm gonna say he was a he was a five or higher. You think so? Okay. Because
0: the batting average was there in twenty thirteen. You're saying in twenty thirteen he hit fifty two doubles. He, he, he was a Gold Glover and yeah. a Platinum Glove winner award winner.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. So uh, I can't. I'm, I can't change my guess that,
0: though. I'm say that his war was above five. You're
1: probably right. I, I didn't realize he.
0: So let's see. Yeah, 2013. He was a 5.9. 5.9. Yeah. I mean, what, he, what was he, he in 15? In 15, seven and a half. Yes, 15. Uh, he was uh seven and a half and 15, seven point three and 16. Um, and he's actually never gotten uh, the highest war since then was this past year at six point eight. Okay. Um, which is crazy. It's crazy that he was, like, the best. I mean, I guess not because he was so young and so athletic. And he still is young and athletic. But, I mean, you look at the 2013, he hit 283, 51 doubles, um, which led the American League, 14 home runs, gold glove, and platinum glove award winner. Then 2015, 286, 35 homers, 30 yeah. doubles, 181 hits, uh, and a gold glove award winner. And then 2016, 294, 37 homers, 96 yeah. RBIs, 5th in MVP voting. Fourth, that was the year. Yeah, 2015, he was 4th in MVP voting. In 2016, he was 5th I remember a slow MVP start voting.
1: in 17, too. Came off a of 16, and, and everyone thought he was going to be unbelievable in 17. He was good, but he definitely had a slower 20, start.
0: 2017, he, he only hit 259. He, he yeah. slashed 259, 310, 471. The 310 is yeah. his second lowest on-base perpe- on percentage ever. And his seven eighty two um, OPS is the lowest in the last one. Well, that that was the year two, he three, four five six in the last six seasons. So
1: eight eight was eighteen or seventeen the year he he decided to play short.
0: That was eighteen.
1: That was eighteen. Okay,
0: eight, he didn't decide to play short. Hardy was hurt and they put him at short. Oh, you're right. No, okay. Hardy was gone. Hardy was hurt in twenty seventeen. And, yes. Um, yes. And,
1: I, I thought Machado explicitly asked to play short. That's the way well, I remember he wanted it. to play shortstop, yeah. but they
0: were gonna I mean they put him there because they didn't have anybody else to play. They weren't gonna put Tim Beckham there. Tim Beckham was playing <laughs> was playing um yeah. third base for them. And twenty seventeen was the year where Manny went bananas. Well the thing Manny, is though in, in August, he had a three homer game, including the walk-off grand slam against the um against the Angels, and he had a two or three homer game. Against the Yankees, a game that I was at in September that brought the world within one game of the wild card. Yeah, it was, and it was a walk off. I was home at run. that game too, I think. Yeah, my my then girlfriend took me to um took me to that game. Okay, for my birthday. But yeah, yeah so. I, I thought you might do a little bit better. I I, I tried to make the question easier because if it had just been... Well, name the players that had this war since 2012. Yeah. That wouldn't have been fair.
1: I think I would have gotten... Well, Rutchman, obviously, for sure. And then, uh, like I said, Means and Trey, I probably would have gotten. Outside of you, that, I can't you guarantee It took three guesses anything. to get Trey. Well, on the right one, though. I, if you're saying... If you had said, like,
0: uh, name the players above 1.6, mm-hmm. then I would have just oh, been able to name. Uh, that's oh, what I mean. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the bat around. You got Orioles baseball on the radio coming up here at 1 o'clock, so about 40 minutes, 45 yeah. minutes from now, give or take. Um, so enjoy that. Terran Favre not in the lineup. I haven't seen a reason for that yet. He was originally uh, leading off and playing left field. Let me it's, real quick
1: see if Rock said anything about that. And then I'll... It's
0: probably just like a – Precautionary. Like a, maybe he uh, twisted an ankle or sprained, sprained a finger or maybe he woke up and had a stomach bug. Who knows? Uh, but he is not in the lineup now. Colton Cowleser replaces Colton Kalser replaces him in his batting eighth in this Orioles lineup. So enjoy some baseball today. Thank you to Stan for his weekly segment. We will maybe talk to him next week. We'll leaving that up to him because he's headed down to spring training this coming yep. week. Thank you to Connor Newcomb. Another great segment. Always a great segment with Always. Connor. Thanks to Zach for the tremendous job that he does every week. Thanks to the, to our sponsors for making the show possible. And especially thank you to our listeners for definitely making this show possible. Until next week, see ya!